Blog Talk Radio.
if you would, uh, give a warm welcome to our guest speaker today, uh, Amir Sarfati. That's how it goes? Right. So this is very dangerous. I'm watching my own face over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I also have a radio face, that's for sure. But uh, we want the Word of God to go out, don't we? And so who cares how we look as long as as long as we make the word uh, go out and, and um, I've had a wonderful time here uh, although my first welcoming um, remark was when are you leaving because uh, <laughs> we've been attacked ever since you plan on coming so when are you leaving so but I uh, I'm Pleased to uh, bring about all those attacks because you know if, if the world is okay with you that means something is wrong and if, if attacks are coming your way that means you're probably doing something right and uh, it's okay with me. The topic <clears throat> that I wanted to share uh, this morning with you is uh, Bible prophecy. God gave it, Satan hates it. And it's a, I don't know if you can see it. There you go. But it's really something that um, I've been looking forward to share uh, because, um, believe it or not, probably good 80% of those who call themselves Christians worldwide are either unintentionally or intentionally staying away from Bible prophecy. And the reason why is either because it's kind of too scary for them or it involves too many people that are not in their right mind. I'll give you an example. I was a guest speaker in a very large prophecy conference in, somewhere in the northwest, in the northeast in, uh, in the United States. And um, <clears throat> well, 6,000 people attended that, that morning and I uh, got off uh, once I, I was done with my teaching and got off the, 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 the stage and I was on my way out of the building and somebody ran very, very fast to catch me and, and he says, I need to tell you something. Now, I, I'm not you know, doing that well when somebody's running, chasing me right after I'm done speaking. And, but he looked, you know, that you know, you, I should give him a minute or so. And he said, the Lord really spoke to me while you were speaking. I said, wow, thank God. He says, he told me that you are one of the two witnesses in Revelation. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, I think I'm in the wrong conference here. You know, he just plain and simple wished me not to be raptured, basically. And so, um, and, and then of course, uh, I had so many other uh, incidents. Like, and, and you think, okay, then somebody approached my table at the conference and um, with a t-shirt, accept Jesus or go to hell on his t-shirt. And I don't do well with such things, you know. And so I thought to myself, probably, no wonder if you see stuff like that, you, you want to run away from 
those type of conferences, even though the conference was very good and healthy and good teaching and all of that. But, you know, the enemy is trying to cause you not to deal with Bible prophecy for a very, very, very good reason. Because he knows that God wants you to deal with Bible prophecy. You know, it's interesting because I always say to people that God wants you to know His plans. It's plain and simple. If it wasn't so, He wouldn't be speaking through the prophet Isaiah saying in chapter 46 in verses 9 and 10, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God is not hiding. He is declaring the end from the beginning. And there's a good reason why, had, why God had to declare the end from the beginning. Because from the very beginning, something went wrong. And if it wasn't for the end, we would have been miserable. If it wasn't for that which is in the end, we would have been in a very bad shape. And God wants us to know His plans. He declares them because He knows there is a very good value to that which the Christians has when He is dealing with my future plans. But because God wants you to know His plans, guess what? Satan doesn't want you to know God's plan. He wants to weaken you. see... They teach you in the military intelligence that knowledge is power. You don't really have to be so well equipped militarily. You need to know your, your enemy's plans. <laughs> you need to know what your enemy's schemes and your enemy's uh, plans are. And that will give you a great advantage. All you need is to know in advance and get ready and prepare. So, Satan knows that if you will not know the plans of God, you will be weak. In fact, in Isaiah 14, when we hear about the fall of Lucifer, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. How is it that he's weakening the nations? by either confusing them with facts or by withholding facts from them or hiding things from them so they will not know, so there will be absolutely no hope in their life. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give us life. He wants to give us hope. He wants to give us a future not to destroy us. And Satan wants to kill and to steal and to destroy. And therefore, we can come to a very clear and fast conclusion that in Bible prophecy, in future plans of God, there is hope. And by withholding that from you, He is stealing from you the hope. He is destroying your life and He is killing your spirit. But we all know that there is somehow a, what I call, built-in desire in mankind 
to know the future. You know, even non-believers, believe it or not, wants to know the future. One of the, I will never forget, I was walking in the month of June down the uh, 8th Avenue uh, in New York City in Manhattan, and I counted probably 14, just one avenue, 14 psychic little places where people are getting the service of reading in cards and reading in whatever it is their future and they have you know you, to have a store in uh, on, on one of those major avenues that means you have business that means there is good business there and i could see people coming and going and people coming and going i was amazed you know the other day somebody wrote me a, t- a text message asking if it's okay for a christian to go to a psychic you can <laughs> but my point is people want to know the future there is a built-in desire. And believe it or not, 2,000 years ago, it was the same. It was the same even in the heart and the mind and the spirit of the disciples 2,000 years ago. As in Matthew 24 and Mount of Olives, they sat with Jesus and then they came to Him and said, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They knew that there is coming an end. They knew that there is something big around the corner. They knew that there is a plan for God. They just wanted to know what is it. It's interesting because the term in the beginning already renders that which is the fact that there is also an end. You understand, every beginning has an end. That's why in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in 1 Peter 4.7, behold, the end of all things is at hand. Every beginning has an end. In fact, in the Hebrew Torah, in the first five books, you see at least twice the term beginning and end in the same verse. Numbers 24.20, Deuteronomy 11.12, you see when it comes to the Amalekites and comes to other things, always they have a beginning and there's an end. There's a beginning and there's an end. And so, we don't have to deal with the beginning. We know exactly what the beginning is. The, the disciples didn't ask anything of Jesus regarding the beginning. But what is it that everybody wants to know? What about the end? And if more so, I will say, what about the end times? This is a term that you think that only the prophets were dealing with, that only the New Testament is dealing with. Oh no. If I may, I'd like to take you back to the Hebrew Torah, to the first five books of Moses, and there were four times when the term end times already appeared, and it all four of them were in very important crossroads in the history of the people of Israel. So Moses himself, who wrote everything from the book of Genesis to the end of Deuteronomy, Moses himself, who actually even wrote at least one psalm, Psalm 90 is the psalm that Moses wrote, Moses himself could see that to that very beginning, there is also an end. And to that horrible beginning, there is a completely different end. And uh, 
It's interesting because the, the first time the end times appears is in Genesis 49 verse 1. Jacob's last words to his sons. Speaking about what is going to happen in the latter days, in the end times. In, in, and we're going to talk about it in a few seconds because he gave within that amazing piece of information about his sons, he gave an amazing promise regarding Judah. And we're going to see it. And the second time it appears, it's in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 14, when Balaam failed to curse Israel. It was an amazing story. The chief magician of the pagan world was visited by God himself while he was sleeping. And God said, hey, you've been paid to go and curse my people. Don't do that. And you know, Balaam is kind of sleeping at night and he's thinking, okay, there's that much money I get from, <laughs> from Balak and there's that much that I can get from this God. I'm going to go and curse them. <laughs> and then he goes and, and then the donkey stops in the middle of the road. And Balaam doesn't understand. He sees nothing and the donkey can see something and he wants to go further and the donkey is not moving and he wants to go further and the donkey is not moving and he's angry with the donkey until the donkey couldn't take it anymore. The donkey looks at him and says, can't you see there's someone in front of us? I wonder who is the donkey in our life that is telling us that there is something in front of us and we can't even see because we're so stuck into whatever we want to do. Not that it's a great term to call him a donkey, but I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, God has a plan. And Balaam was there, and, and the minute he wanted to start cursing Israel, he could see, oh my goodness, it won't happen. I can only bless them. How can I curse those whom God never cursed? And Balaam's failed attempt to curse Israel already contained the term end times. He could see then what God is going to do through them, with them, by them, in the very latter days. In both Genesis 49 and in Numbers 24 are, are, are passages that are known by all scholars as passages that are pointing at the Messiah. The promise of God in the last days to bring forth that Messiah through the people of Israel. It, it was the Old Testament prophets that talked about what Numbers and Genesis said. In Jeremiah 23, you can see that in verses 5 and 6 and verse 20. In Jeremiah 30, in verses 9 and 24. In Hosea 3, 5. In Daniel, the famous 70 weeks prophecy, 24 to 27. And Daniel 10, 14. You see that the Old Testament prophets referred to that which is in the first five books of Moses, speaking of the last days. Speaking of that which is in the future. Bible prophecy is God's way to convey and communicate to His people what He is about to do. The future. He is not leaving you in the dark. 
He is not letting you go and, and need to, to get services of shady people. He is not into that. God wants His children to know His plans. God wants His children to be educated so they are not scared, but they are prepared. But it's not stopping in the, New, in the Old Testament. Even New Testament writers refer to that which was already written in Numbers and in Genesis. In Matthew 2, verse 2, in, in Matthew 30, verses 9 and 24, it's the parallel to what is written in Numbers 24, 17. Revelation 19, 11 through 13, is a parallel to what Genesis 49, 11 says. You see, it is a consistent Message. God did not bring Jesus to overturn that which He spoke by the prophets in the Old Testament. Hebrews 1 says, God who is in the ancient times, who in ancient times spoke to the fathers by the prophets, in these last days spoke to us through His Son, son Jesus. It's not contradicting. He is actually putting the light on those things. So we dealt with numbers and we dealt with Genesis. At another time, the term end times appears is in Deuteronomy 31, verse 29. The introduction to the song of Moses, if you remember, an amazing song. It talks about the latter days. It talks about the end times. The same Hebrew expression. So, if it's not... The end, even in Deuteronomy 4, Moses' prophecy regarding Israel's idolatry. You, you see what I'm trying to establish here this morning is that there is a great plan and that great plan somehow eventually comes straight to you. You see, I just uploaded on, on, on YouTube a, an amazing video that I, I found Somebody was showing how a telescope from space can actually zoom in all the way from a person lying on a grass all the way to all the galaxies in the world. And then he zooms back into that person. He zooms out to the galaxies and he zooms into that person. And from that person, he zooms in through the eye all the way to the atom. You can see how... With all the amazing things that we see in the entire galaxies all around the world, God cares for us. He zooms in not only to you, to every atom, every cell in you. And unfortunately, the plan of God had some difficulties in the very beginning. And why is it so? When God created the world... Every day you can see, he says, and it was good. In fact, he said twice that it was good on Tuesday, on the, on the third day. <laughs> but we don't say Tuesday. We don't say Monday. We don't say Sunday. In Hebrew, these are, you know, very pagan names. Monday is the moon. Sunday is the sun. We don't deal with those names. We have first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. The only day that got a name in the Hebrew is the Sabbath. Because of the word Shabbat, which means cease from working. That's it. So on the third day, he got the twice. But when God created on the sixth day, Adam, and he says it was good. God was happy. But you know what? God created a human being. 
and make him to be in his likeness. But he created a human being with a heart, with brains, with mind, with, a, with an ability to think, but also unfortunately to make horrible mistakes if they don't follow God. The essence of God is love, and love is all about free will. The last thing you want is your son or your wife to automatically say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, when they don't really mean it because it's all automatic, it's all technical. You want them to love you with their hearts, with their spirit. So God never created a robot, He created a human being. But unfortunately, when a human being is taking the wrong actions and the wrong decisions, you see that something terrible can happen. And the Torah starts with the rise and the fall of mankind in the very beginning. But it didn't take too long for God to somehow take that as a background story to a plan of God to provide solution to that which mankind already started wrong with. The separation between man and God due to disbelief and disobedience is coming somehow to a solution by ways of something or someone that is about to come. In fact, the Bible says that the solution is through the coming of the King, the Messiah, in the last days. This is what Genesis 49 talks about. This is what Numbers 24 talks about. It's interesting how God is consistent. You can see that in Genesis 1, in verse 28, God blessed Adam and Eve and then commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and inherit the earth. These are the three most important components in God's covenant ever. First, the blessing, then the seed, then the land. These are the three things he's going later on to even do with, with Abraham. But the problem is once he blessed them and once he commanded them to be fruitful and multiplied and once he told them to inherit the land, Adam never obeyed. He was exiled from the garden and died in that exile. <laughs> but however, just minutes before he was exiled, God set forth a powerful promise. And you need to understand, what I'm about to say now is the reason why Satan hates Bible prophecy. Why do you think Satan hates Bible prophecy? Because of the first ever recorded Bible prophecy, and that is concerning Satan. You understand? The first prophecy in the scriptures is Genesis 3.15. This is the first time God speaks in future case. First time God speaks of His future plans. First time God reveals His future way of bringing, he, of bringing healing to that which was unfortunately done by mankind so early in history. And he obviously, if you all know, the, 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 that famous, famous verse in, in Genesis 3.15, God says to them, and, and, and actually didn't even talk to Adam and Eve. The first thing that God addresses is not Adam and not Eve. It's a serpent. It's Satan himself. And he's telling him the following thing. And he says to that, to that, uh, uh, to that um, Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and her and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel wow you know if you don't really study the bible this verse is one more verse which you can probably don't really know but 
The last time I heard and I studied biology, a woman has no seat. Hello? You know what I'm talking about. This is the first time in the Bible, and the last time in the Bible, you will hear the term, the seed of the woman. And it's interesting because in Isaiah 7 verse 14, when you understand that, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Wait a minute. Where is that seed coming from if she's a virgin? How can she conceive? Well, you understand, God is going to provide a solution, and it's not through the genealogy of mankind, the orthodox way. He is going to intervene, and through the women, He is going to bring forth the Messiah, and His name is Jesus. Genesis 3.15, the first ever prophecy in the Bible, and Jesus is already being promised, and Satan is already on the defense. From day one. You see, so, so it, you know, obviously, Adam didn't make it. Adam, and you're going to see, Adam, it's fascinating what, what he had in the Garden of Eden. But he didn't make it, and in Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8, God is reviving his plan through Abraham. He's blessing, he's giving him seed and land. All these three components are, appears now again in the Abrahamic covenant as well. That which was promised to and given to Adam, yet couldn't be fulfilled because of Adam's fall, is now being reintroduced to all of us through Abraham. It's interesting how God works. He starts with a great picture. With the first man. With Adam and with Eve. And then now, if it's not working this way, we're going to revive this plan. But we have to do it in a smaller scale. Abraham is going to give forth Isaac, who is going to give forth uh, um, Jacob, whose name is Israel. And through him, the twelve tribes will come. And through them, there will be coming a branch from the stem of Jesse. Wow. Now you see, Adam, believe it or not was the first king and high priest. Did you know that? Did you know that there are great parallels between the Garden of Eden and the tabernacle where God tabernacles with His people? Interesting, you know, first of all, the term God is walking in the garden. Remember, when God came and walked in the garden in Genesis 3.8, we have... God walking among His people when He gave the tabernacle in Leviticus 26.12. Then the cherubim, those embroidered cherubim on the great um, 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 veil between the holy and the holy of holies, are the same cherubim that were protecting the Garden of Eden. The third one is the entrance into both the Garden of Eden and the tabernacle from the east. The fourth one is how God commanded Adam to tend and to keep the garden. And that in Genesis 2.15. And the exact same words in Hebrew, He said to the sons of Levi, to, to the Levites actually, to the sons of Aaron, the priests and the Levites were to tend and to keep God's tabernacle in Numbers 3 verses eight and 7 and 8. And if that's not enough, 
even when Adam and Eve sinned and God put on them some clothing, your English, and I feel sorry for you sometimes. (laughs) You know, it's a great blessing to know Hebrew and to read from the Hebrew because that's where you can see the parallels even more so. You call it the tunics that they were wearing, remember? The same exact word in the Hebrew, kutonet, appears also, the Genesis 3.21 appears also in the tabernacle, the clothing of those who served in the tabernacle. And that's in Exodus 29, verses 5 and verse 8. So the, the tabernacle was a copy of the Garden of Eden. So Adam, you can see, not only that, he was getting the role of a king over the creation. He's the one who could rule over all the animals. Can you imagine Adam could call the lion and say, sit down right here, I want you to make peace with that lamb, right now. He had dominion over all the animals. He was a king, yet a priest. And it's interesting how the term kingdom of priests, or priestly kingdom appears when God brings Israel to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 verse 6 and he says I want you to be for me a priestly kingdom or a kingdom of priests all of them that was of course before the golden calf and that caused them caused him to just separate the only tribe that didn't take part of this whole thing the tribe of Levi but originally he meant all of them to be that way. And then of course we know that Jesus himself who came to the world in Hebrews 7, 17 came in the order of Melchizedek who was a king and a high priest. And the beautiful thing is that every believer in Jesus according to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 we, you, are all what? Priests. The kingdom of priests. You know, a lot of people are telling me, how I wish I was a Jew. And a lot of Christians are actually taking some actions to become Jews. You know, sometimes they come and and tackle me and attack me whenever I travel around the world. You know, that movement of Judaizers. They they, want to come and tell all Christians that they should be Jews. And, And then they kind of forget that The Christians, according to Romans 11, are to provoke the Jews to jealousy, not to be provoked by the Jews to jealousy. (laughs) And so, they tell me I'm not Jew enough. So what if I see bacon and I sprinkle water on it and said, you're chicken, you're chicken, you're chicken. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you don't understand one thing. You just probably don't get it. Don't have any identity crisis for not being Jews. The Jewish people have only a thin layer of people who are called priests. All of you are now priests. You understand that? So why would you want to go back to a lesser degree? When you are in a higher degree already. Why would you want to go back to that which... You passed already. And it's interesting because we can note that before God addressed Adam and Eve, He first spoke to the serpent after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And once that prophecy had been set forth, the beginning 
of its fulfillment became the next act. Satan was immediately placed on the defense. Their first ever prophecy in the Bible was against Satan, was about Satan, was about his future, and was about our future if we trust the seed of the woman. So from day one, all that Satan wants to do is what? Is all those thousands of years he needed to try and finish the impossible task of cutting off the seed of the woman. <laughs> the enemy has tried to stop Messiah from coming forth and he failed. He tried to stop the church through persecution and he failed. And of course his next tactic was to infiltrate the church. If you can't beat them, obviously join them. So, you know, so immediately, the next chapter, Satan goes and kind of makes sure that Abel, the good guy, <laughs> is going to be killed. Well, what's the seed of the woman? Oh, okay, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. Why don't the bad guy kill the good guy? And that's it. The end of the seed of the woman. Well, he forgot that Eve and Adam will have another one called Seth. And through him, God is about to establish all of his plans. What did Pharaoh try to do to all the Hebrew males when Moses was born? Why would she need to kill them? To make sure that the seed of the woman is not coming to the world. And what did Haman try to do to the Jews in the time of Queen Esther? To make sure that the seed of the woman is coming forth. What did Herod try to do to all the Hebrew males a few years after Jesus was born? To make sure that if he's born, at least he's not growing up. And it's interesting because, do you remember in, 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 in Matthew chapter 16 when, when Jesus and, and, and Peter are in Caesarea Philippi? And you, I love Peter because he reminds me of myself. And, and, and Peter is, is there and you know, you know, Jesus says that, um, what do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And, and Peter jumps and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And probably he did. Why? Because nobody ever taught him that. No Hebrew school, no Hebrew seminary, no Hebrew institution will ever teach that the Christ is the son of God. It's a human being in the eyes of the Jews. So Peter doesn't even have a clue what he just said. And he's like perplexed at what he said. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And you could see the head of Peter <laughs> going big and big and big and big. And, 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 and the next thing, Peter rebukes Jesus. His head is so big. And Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man had to suffer from the priest and he has to be condemned and he will be taken and he will be killed. And, and Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Don't talk like that. Can you imagine? What did Jesus answer Peter? He didn't tell him, get behind me, Peter. He didn't tell him, you're hallucinating, you're crazy, Peter. Jesus understood and detected who is really speaking here. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Because there's only one person that doesn't want me to die, but wants me to live, so I will not die, because only once he died, he defeated death by resurrection. 
The resurrection is the most important thing in the whole story. Everybody lives, everybody dies, only he resurrected. And so, Satan, if he couldn't stop him from coming, and he couldn't stop him from growing up, and he couldn't stop him from starting his ministry, at least he wants to stop him from dying. And that's why he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And currently, the enemy is trying to oppress and suppress and ultimately attempt to eradicate the nation of Israel also. However, he will again fail. We know that during World War II, one out of every three Jews were killed. And according to the Holy Scripture, there is yet another Holocaust in the horizon. If you read your Zechariah chapter 13, you will know that two-thirds of Israel will go, will perish. Which will make the Holocaust pale. Guys, Satan is on the offense. I'm not going to go into what, how the Islamic countries are denying even the right of Israel to exist and how they teach on their maps that there is not even Israel on the map. But I want you to understand that the study of Bible prophecy has absolutely no significance if the Bible is not accepted for what it is, the very Word of God. However, while prophecy depends on the belief in the Bible as the inspired Word of God, it also con constitutes clear evidence that the Bible is the Word of God. Because, guys, there is approximately 1,000 prophecies in the Bible that have been already fulfilled, in an over and that's an overwhelming evidence. That yet unfulfilled prophecy will also be fulfilled. For every one prophecy of Jesus' first coming, there is about eight that mention His second coming. Wow! What a great resume of God, isn't it? So my point is, Jesus is about to come back. But the problem is, there is so much confusion. Jesus' disciples even, while He was with them, they believed that He would fulfill the promises related to His first and second coming at the same time. They had absolutely no idea that it's two different comings. In two different times, in the one time it is going to happen when Rome is controlling Israel, and another time He will return to bring an end to the great tribulation, Jacob's trouble. In which he will come and sit the throne and, and, and judge all the twelve tribes of Israel and judge all the world that came against them also. If a major doctrine of the Bible such as the first and second coming of Christ could be misunderstood, this serves as a warning to each and every one of us even today to be mindful of misinterpreting Bible prophecy. Why did people in the time of the Old Testament and even in the time of Jesus misunderstood Bible prophecy? Very simple. Because they failed to pay attention to the details of the prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming in contrast to the details of the prophecies about His second coming. And for us who lived in 2016, knowing that He already came, we better get our gear together and get our act together and get our thoughts and minds sharpened to understand what are the signs for His second coming. 
The Old Testament makes it very clear that Jesus' first coming involved His suffering and death and resurrection, and that His second coming would occur only after the time of the great tribulation and trouble, which Israel would be rescued by the return of Christ. You know that the Jewish Talmud says that um, if the Messiah is going to come riding a donkey, the people will not be ready. If the Messiah will come riding a horse, the people will be ready. That's in the Jewish Talmud. Can you imagine when Jesus was riding the donkey from the Mount of Olives all the way down? Do you think he laughed? Do you think he was joyful? Oh no. He saw a city that missed her visitation. He saw people that are not ready. How sad it is to expect the Messiah, but not to be ready. And they, he entered into Jerusalem, of course, during that time. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. That's what 1 Corinthians 14.33 says. It's very simple. God wants all of us to have a clear understanding of His plans. Bible prophecy, as I said, is a gift from God to every believer to hold on to the promises that He has to bring healing and correction and, and solution to mankind's problem, which is disobedience and disbelief. So, allow me for the next few minutes to somehow set an order in the great confusion. <laughs> okay? So, here I am. I'm an Israeli. I was born in Israel. And I grew up in Israel. My, grand, my, my parents were not from Israel. They, they were born elsewhere. My mom was born on the way to Israel in Cyprus, where the British police turned the boat of, their, of her parents who came from the Holocaust, who survived Auschwitz. They turned their boats and sent them to Cyprus. She was born there. My father's family originally came from France, from the city of Champagne, moved to Portugal, and Ferdinand and Isabel kicked all the Jews out, and eventually his family landed in Tunisia. But it's interesting, my name Sarfati means in Hebrew, French. We were the French. He is from the French uh, part of the Jewish exile. And, and so they came uh, all the way, and my grandparents, as they made it to Israel, you understand, you know, Mark Twain came to Israel in the early 1800s and wrote a diary in which he said it was a barren wasteland. Nothing grows there. I hardly saw a human being there. I mean, speaking of people who said that they were there first. Nobody almost was there first. It was almost impossible to live there. And it's interesting how in, in chapter 36 of Ezekiel, he says, And I speak to you, O mountains of Israel, shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit from my people Israel, for they are about to come. And then they came, and every desert started blooming, and all the valleys, and all the mountains. Israel exports fruit, and vegetables, and wheat. We export flowers to the whole world. 
That dead land came back to life not because we are so talented and not because we are so good, because He is so good and He is faithful to His promises through His prophet 2,800 years ago that He is about to bring them back to their land and the land will be alive and flourish again. And that's Ezekiel chapter 36. And then He had to bring the people back to their land. And in Ezekiel 37, He says to Ezekiel, I want you to go down to that valley. And Ezekiel goes to the valley and he sees dead bones there, dry bones there, and Ezekiel says, what is it that you are showing me God? And God says, see Ezekiel, all these bones are the entire household of Israel. They say, we have no hope, our bones are dry, our, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. They thought that God cut them off. But speak to them, O Ezekiel, and tell them, Oh my people, I'm about to bring you out of your graves and set your feet on your own soil in the land of Israel. And so he did. And so we see how Ezekiel chapter 36 and chapter 37 have been fulfilled in our very generation in the last few years. We're back in the land. And then our existence in the land enraged all the countries around us. And they came from all around, surrounding us. They wanted that the nation of Israel would be cut off and that the name of Israel would be remembered no more. They didn't want to live in peace with Israel. They wanted to cut them off. It's not what we have today. Let's have a peace. Let's give them, them the Golan and these Gaza and that. The no! It was utterly one thing. Let us destroy them so the nation of Israel will not be there and the name of Israel will be remembered no more. And so Psalm 83 that speaks of that thing has been fulfilled. Why? Because God intervened. And I don't want to take all the time to tell you all the amazing, amazing stories of how God miraculously, not because of who we are, I would say in spite of what we did in the battlefield, God won and we are still there. And so now Israel is in the land. Israel flourishes. And some people say, well, it cannot be that Ezekiel 38 will come to pass because uh, we still have, uh, you know, you're not in peace and you don't have um, unwalled villages uh, in town. I will say to you this, ladies and gentlemen, Israel has never been better off as it is today. We, today, we don't have, you see, I, I was born in 19, I, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I almost did it. But I can tell you this, throughout the first 30 years of Israel, not even a single day in our history as a nation, we thought that we could make it the next week. Every day was a danger of annihilation. Now it's 2016, we don't have that danger anymore. We're strong, we're resilient, we have gas, we have oil, we have types of weapons I cannot talk about, I totally have to kill you. But we are feared by our enemy. They say that somebody went to uh, um, interview ISIS and they said the only country they fear is Israel. They're not afraid of the West. They're not afraid of America. They're not afraid of, of, of Europe. They're not afraid of Africa. Guys, I'm not saying we're great. I'm just saying God brought us to the point where He's not going to destroy us. What's the point? The next thing is we all see, fix your eyes on Damascus because once Isaiah 17 takes place and Damascus is gone, 
Then you're going to see all the forces that are aligning together against Israel coming against us, as Ezekiel 38 says, and they will come to utterly destroy us. And some, if you can read Ezekiel 38 very well, they want to steal and plunder and take something that we have. But until five years ago, we didn't have anything to give them besides falafel and hummus. And nobody in his right mind will invade Israel just for that. But we found gas and we found oil and I'm talking about, we're talking about trillions of cubic feet of gas worth at war. So Russia is ganging around and Iran is getting ready and Turkey is getting ready. Guys, Sudan is getting ready and Libya is getting ready. And then of course, whether it's going to happen before or after, but we are out of here. We're out of here before the Antichrist is coming because Second Thessalonians says that once the restrainer is out of the way, then the Antichrist shows his true face. I don't have to think, when will it happen? I know the Scriptures told me. Why do we have to be so confused when God in His Word was not confused? Then the Antichrist, some people think he's a Muslim. How can a Jew believe in a Muslim as, an, as a Messiah? Guys, how can a Pope maybe be a false prophet that will usher the Antichrist who is not even from somehow the neighborhood of his faith? And after the Antichrist is ruling, Zechariah 12 and 13 and 14 who speaks about the return of the Messiah with his saints. So how come you don't believe that we will be raptured first? How can we return with Him if we're not taken to be with Him first? What is it, a bungee thing? <laughs> Back and forth? And then the Lord said there will be a millennial kingdom. We will rule with Him for a thousand years. And then we know that He will make all things new. New heaven and new earth. And only then there is no more Israel. Only then. The Bible says, as long as the sun is there, and the moon is there, and the stars are there, Israel is the people before me. But when he makes all things new, there's no more moon, no more stars. The Bible says in, in the book of Revelation that Christ, the Lamb, is the menorah, is the shining light. And there is no more need for the sun or the moon or the stars. And in that new Jerusalem, there's no more Jew, no Gentile. There is the bride of Christ, and there is Christ. And that's it. It's very simple. Why are we so confused? Because the enemy wants us to be confused. Because the enemy wants us not to be ready. And it's interesting because the Bible says in Revelation 19, Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. You see, we need to get ready. You're not ready if you don't make yourself ready. I, do, I, I want to see the one woman that goes to her wedding without making herself ready. Oh. So his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, 
Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saying of God. And I fell at, these, at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. It's the angel of the Lord. He doesn't want to be worshipped. He says, Hey, I'm not the one. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren. And you have the testimony of Jesus. And then he says, You need to worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we started with Genesis and we ended up in Revelation and it's all about Jesus. From Genesis 3.15 to Revelation 90. That's what God wants you to know. Do you know Him and His suffering and the power of His resurrection do you know Him personally? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray daily? Are you about your Father's business? Do you trust God in, in the bad times as in the good times? Are you abiding in Him and doing, not just reading? Are you a sheep and not a goat and support and love Israel unconditionally? Because these are the things that matters in these last days. You see, Bible prophecy is something that God gave and Satan hates. God gave it, Satan hates it. But it is super important. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your amazing plan from the very beginning to provide solution for the fallen mankind. We thank you that prophecy was set forth from Genesis 3 and on, not just to single out the, the deeds of the enemy, but also to tell the enemy his end and also to give us hope and future. And we thank you, Father, for the hope and for the future that we have, not to destroy us, but to give us those amazing things. Father, I thank you that by your grace, you can open our eyes to see the wonders of your word. I thank you that you are not the author of confusion. And I thank you, Father, that if we abide in you and if we trust in you and if we uh, pray to you and if we read your word and we have your Holy Spirit, Father, I thank you that we can have a clear understanding of your plan for your children. Father, I thank you and I bless you this morning. And we do all of this in the matchless and the most precious and the most beautiful name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, the name that is above all names, in the name of Yeshua, Jesus we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.
I'd like to welcome everyone to our service today. I'd like to open up with a prayer and then we'll play some worship music. Heavenly Father, we ask you to shut out the world from us right now. Send your Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. And we thank you for blessing us with this time of fellowship and prayer. In your mighty name, amen.
You're his people. You're not my people. You're his people. And uh, I'm required to give you doctrine. That's my job. I mean, as I give this doctrine constantly, remember, it's his doctrine. It's his people. Amen. So you're all God's children. And there's a lot of people that are in your life right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They want to feed you something. And what I want to talk about today is what are you spiritually eating? This is a tough message. And do you have any announcements? Uh, no. No. No announcements. Just open up in prayer. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna open up in prayer. I got a lot of this, a lot to say today. But let, let, let's let's uh, amen. Let's do things decently in order and open up in prayer. Please, I don't want to pray at people. I want to pray with people. I want to pray with people. Pray with me. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, our King, our Redeemer, our Savior, the Holy, True, and Righteous Judge, the Alpha and the Omega, the Savior of our souls, the, the One who was and is and is to come. We, we ask for you to show up today. We ask for your presence today. That presence you gave us at salvation you haven't changed. Would you give us a full impartation of your, your presence today as we gather? Time is short, Jesus, and we, we place our lives in, in your hands and what good hands they are in. We need a touch today, Lord. We, 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 need, we need your love. We need your peace. We need your wisdom. We need your knowledge. We need your discernment. We need your understanding. We need your provision. We need your truth because it's only the truth that sets people free. Amen. Would your truth rain down upon this room yes, in a mighty way today? Bring people out of the desert and into your marvelous light through your holy word that is uh, perfect and infallible and forever settled for the salvation of souls, for the backsliders, for, for those hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for those tired and weary that they need a lift and a boost to, to fly like you promised we could fly on eagle's wings. And for the brother and sister that's down, give someone a hand, Lord Jesus, reach them up out of the water and tell them you can walk on this water. You're sinking in something you should be walking on. Let me help you. Would you help your people today, Jesus? Would you show up, Lord Jesus, as we come together to honor you and worship you and abide with you, learn of you, and yes, even be corrected by you, Lord? Would you come into us and be with us and stand by with us and stay with us? And we will be your people and you will be our God. And we will follow you all the days of our life so that we can dwell in your house forever. Teach us and guide us today. Yes, Lord. Amen. Oh, amen. Before I begin this message, I want to say that, uh, wow, and it is a message. <laughs> Before I begin this message, I, I want to just, I want to preface uh, the, this message with the word from my heart. I want to speak from my heart today. 
before we go into the scripture, I got some things that I literally wrote out. I spent a, I spent seven days on the internet just looking and observing the Christian community. Thank you, Jesus. And I ask for peace in this message and love in this message. I have not made anything uh, of video type since last since last week when we, we talked about the power and pleading the blood of Jesus and, uh, and taking communion together, remembering Him. This is the first message I've made since that, and that's because I've just been observing. I've been observing other Christians on the Internet, what they say, how they do, and watching their fruit. And I'm sure people have been observing me too, and that's fine. It works both ways. I got nothing to hide. I look at the fruit. I look at the fruit that's coming out of the Christian community today uh, when we're, 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 we need to reach the lost people and to see if we're doing that or not. And if there's something that God would would have me say, and you know, he's been he's been a he's been amazingly quiet in my life. A matter of fact, and I'm speaking from the heart today for every time yeah. it's just a little nod from God saying yeah I'm here I'm going to speak from the heart today in my silence I asked God a question I'm just going to flow on Thursday laying here in prayer you know God called me to intercessory prayer and I asked people to, to join me uh, what, what day is it? I'd have to do some math. It, it's like uh, like the 94th. No, it's three days. Today's the 95th day of prayer. That's over three months of, of prayer on my face in here. And, and on Thursday, today being Sunday in the United States and in Northern California where we're at, I didn't hear anything from God. And to be honest with you, I was disgusted by what I saw on the Internet. I was disgusted by it. People that represented Christ were were representing themselves and the devil more than they were Jesus. They were putting out messages of lies and confusion. That's the fruit. More than truth and love. And I'm sure you all saw it. I'm not calling anybody a liar, and that's what I want to preface this message with. Is uh, I was saddened. And I actually wrote in my notes, you know, is God closing the door on my YouTube ministry? That was three days ago. Because he, he isn't speaking me to, to say this or say that or do this or do that. He just had me resting and, and waiting on him. And, uh, and so as I, as I look, I'm not talking to anybody in this room, I assure you. As I look at the Internet, I'm... I just shake my head. I'm like, Lord, you want me to go out into that minefield? And, and and here's the thing is, having served God for 37 years, since the early 70s, the answer I need can't come from the Internet. The answer I need can't come from, from brothers and sisters that I love deeply with my heart who've been with me in the trenches and traveled with me to other states and 
been there and watched this water baptize each other and fellowship together and come together. The answer can't come from people. The answer I need on where I'm supposed to uh, to continue serving Jesus, because I will continue serving Jesus, and I know you all will too, is, is where? And the answer must come from God and God Himself. And so I'm going to know, I'm going to know by the end of this message, because I asked God a very specific thing that I needed to hear before this message ended today. And that's why it's hard for me to start, because I'll know. And if God says this door is closed, you know, YouTube is a cesspool of vile evil, and, and it disgusts me, and it's a stench to my nostrils, well, I'm not going to go out there and, and let God, uh, you know, uh, be trampled on, let his word be trampled on, let them, you know, thumbs down and mock Jesus Christ as we discuss his death, burial, and resurrection for them to, to trample on the blood of Jesus. That's not how church is. Church is not, you don't see in real life, you don't see people walking into your church and attacking the pastor, you know, calling out the pastor as a false prophet or, or you know, saying your message is wrong. I mean, you'd be shown the door. If you came in, because in, in, in the churches that I've been to, they're done in order. And they're done decently with honor and reverence to God. But boy, on the internet. And don't get me wrong, I'm not soft-skinned and I'm, I'm not a punk or I'm not weak-minded. I mean, I've been on there since 2011 in the trenches. But man, if I think that it's just been overcome with evil, I'll, depart, I'll shake off my feet and go to another city. I mean, we got our neighbors listening in. Of my praying that my sister begin to to listen in. We have all of you listening in, and it's fine when we're here. But when it becomes a video and YouTube throws it out to the whole world, is when it becomes trampled on. And in all honesty, from my heart, I'm telling you, it breaks my heart because the words that are coming forth have life. And we know, and everybody's going to say, yeah, that's what happens. These are the last days. You know, to count it all as joy, you're blessed. And I, and I do. I do count it all as joy, but I want everybody, by the end of this message, to just do one thing. After hearing what I want to present in this message, I want you to ask God yourself, Ask God yourself and line it up with His Word that has not changed. If what I presented to you today was the truth, don't ask me. Ask God. If what, I'm going to, what I've been asked to present today that I wrote out myself, took me a couple days to write this out, if what I present to you is truth after the service, ask God. Because Jesus said, take heed, no man deceives you. And there's a lot of men in deception, and I don't want to be one of them. And secondly, there's a lot of people on the Internet, they will, when, when we give messages online, there's people that will say, he's talking about me, or, you know, that message was for me, or he's talking about me. And I assure you, when I, when I wrote this, two-page message. I didn't have anybody on my mind but God. And the only person I'm going to talk about is myself. 
So if this becomes a video and people think that I'm talking about them, it's not the case. I'm telling you, I'm talking about myself and my journey with God, and I want to present it to you. And I want you to, to think on it. How did we serve Jesus before the Internet? And what if the Internet went down for a prolonged period? How would we serve Him then? Is all of our serving of Jesus based on the Internet? That's a question I had to ask myself. See, I got saved at the age 15. Cell phones didn't exist. Pagers didn't exist. Internet didn't exist. And somehow we were able to serve God in peace. And we were able to mature and grow in Christ. Amen. And, it, and it was through His Word. And the church has become stagnant and legalistic and finger-pointing. And it breaks my heart. And so I'm going to address it. Well, I came to YouTube in uh, the end of 2010 and the beginning of 2011. And I had just came out of a, a business. My YouTube channel... And, and at the beginning of 2011 was PM Protection for You. And it was based off of safety and training videos for the industry that I in. I owned a small company. And one day God spoke to me, you can believe this or not believe this, all of these licenses over here were business permits, not ministry licenses. This was an office to do, to do protection work. The same office in 2011. And the videos where I made were to keep people safe through training. And basically it was just for, for my employees to come watch training videos on how to get through a shift alive. I'm telling you the truth. But one night God spoke to me about four blocks from here at exactly midnight. He said, I want you to let all of this go. I want you to let all these, I want you to pull all these things down. I want you to begin to study my word, this word. I, I want you to learn of me. And I was already a Christian. I was out there praying. You know, I, I'd already went through ministry school. I went all the way through ministry school, two of them, because one wasn't enough. Because I needed to know more. I'm telling you the truth, aren't I? Know. And I just needed to know more and more of God. And, and I, I said, okay, God, I began to, to give up everything. I, I had four patrol cars, and I sold them all, and I, I let my business go. I let the permits go required. I laid off all my employees with letters of recommendation, and everybody thought I was crazy. And I came in here, and I began to study the Word of God year after year after year, and I finished my ministry school, and I, and I put up these certificates, and I, I believe it was in 2010, finally I... After I was licensed, ordained through elders as a minister of the gospel, and what I learned for it to be a minister, I changed my Facebook from Paul Maxson to Minister Paul Maxson. It didn't seem like any big deal to put minister in front of my name on Facebook. But the pastor, a man of God that I was preaching in his church under, that that taught many of the Bible courses, you know, that you go through. Uh, he said, <laughs> he just kind of, he told me, he said, you know, when you, when you put minister in front of your name, your whole life changes. And I didn't really know what he meant. 
Like, what do you mean? I, I thought it was a good thing. I really thought this was a good thing. Am I boring people? Or are people listening? Because I'll speed up. But I didn't know. I didn't know what the pastor meant. He was letting me preach out of his church. He had taught most of the the the, the classes in in Bible uh, school of ministry. It was called that. I went to. I do now. It's been six years, and it's not it's not peer protection anymore. It's Minister Paul. It has twenty six thousand people listening. And we're not talking about how to stay safe anymore. We're talking about things of the spirit realm. And, and uh, you know, I never had a, a thumb down or a word of hatred. or I was nobody's enemy when I was in the same exact office serving the world and, 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 and serving man and protecting man and speaking things of man. I didn't have one single enemy. But when I put these licenses up, I immediately came under attack by who are you? You know, it's just a piece of paper and, and all these things. All of a sudden, my messages came under attack. Literally, there was a group of 12 people that would attack me day after day after day, and I continued on and I pressed on, and I've been doing this for six years. Have I become your enemy for telling you the truth? Because we're going to talk about pastors and ministers and what it says in the Word of God. We're going to laugh. We're going to have some laughs today. I just want to make sure that I'm not. People know I'm not offended. This message is is not about you. Or we're going to have some joy. But I want people to know that are out there, you know, talking about us right now as we gather together, how this ministry started. Because you people have seen me growing. Uh, with you and I've seen you growing. I went to seven different states and, and people people helped us get there and people met us there and, and people made it a beautiful thing. We've seen souls won to the Lord. We've seen people baptized in the Holy Ghost by laying on hands. We've seen demons flee. We've water baptized people. We've seen deliverances. We've seen marriages restored. And what I'm talking about is because you all made it possible for me to go to seven different areas and God opened up that door and, and, and here we are now and I'm wondering am I to continue traveling? I have a lot of things on my mind. Am I continue to go out and evangelize? Is there still time? Do still people still lay hands on each other? Or is everything just the internet? Because you never want to go through a door that God didn't open. And you never want to go through a door that God closed. And that's where I'm at today. And I'm telling you the truth. And I, I'm not taking this lightly. God blessed this ministry just like He said He would. And He continues to bless this ministry. And I, I will not stand in a stagnant pulpit just to be making a, a video. I've never been that type of person, you know. Suddenly, it's a bad thing to be a pastor. Suddenly, it's a bad thing, according to the YouTube standards. I want to talk about the gospel according to YouTube. According to YouTube, it's a bad thing to be a minister. It's a bad thing to be a pastor. You're a demon or a false teacher if you put pastor in front of your name. It was never meant to be like that. Bad is called good and good is called bad. Jesus, let me talk about the word minister. It means to serve. It means servant. 
Jesus Christ, he came down and he said that I didn't come to be served, to have you serve me, but to serve, to serve you. And as we stand in here and we bring these messages in, it's to serve others. So, so what I did was I put servant in front of my name instead of officer or captain. It used to be captain or officer. I stripped that down. I let God remove all the pride that goes with that. And I said, servant. And suddenly I became the Internet's enemy. Am I, am I talking to somebody here? I, I'm telling you this because I know you've been through it too. So I, I, I create the... The ministry, YouTube, and I, I delete, I, I obey God, and I delete the, the, the business one, and, and I come onto YouTube with this Bible right here. When I first came to YouTube, I ministered from this Bible. It's a New King James Bible. Uh, it, it was later explained to me by the gospel according to YouTube that this is a devil Bible, and that it was evil. And I need to cheat you out of a King James Bible. My bad. I didn't know that. Because in, in this Bible right here that was called evil, this New King James, is the, is, this Bible was passed on to me from a, uh, my mother with a mantle on her head. This Bible is the, I have Bibles all over the place, but this particular Bible has brought me through everything. I mean, let's go through some of the things. I want a real talk. It has my mom's noting in here, talking about my calling with Scripture. My mom's not even here no more. They say that this is a devil Bible. But let's look at what it records in the church record. February 1991, dedicated my life to the Lord Jesus. February 16, 1991, delivered of many demons. February 17th, the Holy Spirit back in my life on fire. March 12th, delivered of drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. Never smoked again. Never did drugs again. Baptized my mom in a bathtub. April 3rd, 1991, received my calling according to Malachi 2.7 by prophecy in the church at Christian Life Center. And it goes on and on and on, all the way up to March 30th, 2011. God blessed the healing anointing from God for me to go forth and lay hands on people. That was in March 2011. So... The, the binding is falling off. It's, it, it's falling apart. But, but in my life, this was a game changer. I am who you see today in front of you because of God performing His Word in my life. So tell me again how this is a devil Bible. Y'all, y'all, do y'all want to hear this? Tell me again how this is a devil Bible. If you're going to go through the school of ministry, you're going to need several Bibles. And that's the problem with people with the camera on YouTube right now, so-called doing teachings, is they've never been through the school of ministry. You ask anybody who's been through the school of ministry, you're going to need multiple translations to graduate. But when you get on YouTube... 
all of a sudden it's one Bible and one Bible only and all the rest are evil Bibles. I submit to you right now, where that brother says in India, what Bibles do they read in India? Do they all read one Bible? Could God only speak through one Bible? According to the Gospel of YouTube, He can only speak to you from, from one Bible. But yet my life bears witness of otherwise. Are you with me? Are we going to believe the report of the Lord or the report of man? Does anybody else bear witness to what I'm saying that you were also blessed by reading the New King James? Until you were told otherwise by man. Hmm, pretty deep, huh? So then after that, and I'm growing in the Lord, and here I am, I'm a minister Paul, and I'm on YouTube, and people are talking about me, and I continue pressing on. I learned that my, now my Bible was not only the devil Bible. I went, my wife bought me this Bible about three years ago. I've been preaching out of it ever since. Now I was told this Bible is an idol. I've made my Bible an idol. It's the mark of the beast. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the dangerous doctrine of getting all of your information from YouTube. And if you listen to that, what road it will take you down. I'm trying to help you. Having bearing witness, I'm telling you what I went through so you don't go through it. But remember, at the end, you ask Jesus if this is true or not. They said, this is, I've made this an idol. Uh, I would make videos where my cross is out. I bought a cross. I was so proud. I worked so many hours, and, and I was so so happy to express my my love for Jesus Christ. And I went down to Montgomery Ward in 1994. Some of these people uh, condemning me on the internet weren't even born yet, and I bought my first cross with my own money. And I would wear it in my videos, and I was told that it was an idol. That, that, that it, was a, it was a graven image, and it represented death. And so when I'd make my videos, I wanted to be pleasing to people, and I didn't want to offend nobody, so I would hide my cross and, 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 and hide my devil Bible and read off the Internet. So let's address this idol thing. How many people here... See, because my cross right here, which I'm not ashamed to show, this cross right here, they said it's an, uh, I'm using it as a graven image. Let me show the whole world. 1994, I've never lost it. I've lost a lot of things. But the things that I buy from the Lord, like Bibles and crosses, I never lose. Isn't it amazing? They say this is a graven image that represents death. I want to speak to those people right now. It may represent death to you, but this represents healing to me and risen power and that I'm not of the world and that I'm a child of God. Someone said it's just jewelry. No, it's the cross. The cross, the old rugged cross, what happened to the church. We can't wear, uh, we can't wear uh, crosses anymore and carry Bibles in the church because YouTube said so. Has anybody here ever woke up and took your cross and laid it on your Bible and bowed before your Bible and worshipped your Bible? Anybody? I'd love to pray for you because I never have. I have never worshipped or prayed to this Bible. It feeds me. This represents the risen Savior. Oh, the devil is a liar. And he don't like this message. 
The cross, wearing a cross may be just jewelry to me, but it's a lifestyle. It may just be jewelry to you, but it's a lifestyle to me. It shows the changed me and who I represent. You can wear any kind of jewelry. Just don't put a cross on. And don't you read out of the devil Bible. You know I'm telling the truth. So here I am, Minister Paul, and now I'm learning that not only is this a devil Bible, and it's, it's an idol, and I'm going to hell for worshiping it, but it's also now, in, in August of 2016, being, been rewritten by Satan, they say. The gospel according to YouTube says this Bible in my hand has supernaturally changed in front of me and be written by the devil. It's been rewritten. Verses have changed. And I'm going to tell you, no, they haven't. If I thought for one minute that the Antichrist was rewriting my Bible, I would throw it in the trash. I would warn the world. For four years I've been warning people. But one thing I'm not going to warn about is something that people demand I warn about, but God said not to touch. People insist right now that I come out and join their clique that the Bible's changed. And that I must warn of it. There's a division coming right down the middle of the church. Whose side are you on? The Bible is rewritten by Satan, or it has it, and they've drawn a wedge between it and saying, you must conform to our belief or else we'll attack you. We'll make videos about you. We'll talk about you. Listen. When I came on over here and became a minister, and I was taking those classes, and I was driving, please listen to me. Is anybody there? Yeah. When I was driving the patrol car around, I'm talking about the Mandela effect right now. Before I leave YouTube, and if I leave YouTube, I'm going to address those people demanding that I join their Mandela effect group. Ain't going to happen. My wife went and got me the greatest gift from Sam's Club. It was the it was the King James Bible on audio CD. The entire Bible. Old Testament, the Psalms, and New Testaments. The entire Bible. Do you remember that? I could go get it right now and show you. It literally takes about 80 audio CDs to put the whole Bible on audio. And what I did, having a dangerous job driving a, at a canine in back, and, and I'm driving around patrolling high-risk areas, where there's either been some type of crime, it's three different counties, amen? amen? And I would put the Bible in there, and I would listen to the Bible 12 hours a day, every day, for years. Can I talk to somebody today? 12 hours a day, I would listen to the King James Bible for years. We are talking hundreds and hundreds of hours. And that wasn't enough for me because I was hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God. I would come home and i put the whole Bible on my iPod. My wife bought me an 8 gigabyte iPod, old school kind. I put the whole audio King James Bible onto my iPod. And when I wasn't driving at work or when I was sleeping, I listened to it. And now a group of people wants to tell me it's been changed. And they misquote the Bible. And I, I can remember it playing 
hundreds of hours over and over again. I say, has anything changed? And the people that are saying the Bible has changed, they don't even know the Bible. They say they do, but they don't. I'm telling you, as a man of God in the pulpit, serving Christ all my life, this has not changed. If I thought for a minute that the warning that was to go out to warn people that you couldn't trust the Word of God anymore, I'd be the first one in line sounding that alarm. But God didn't tell me that. YouTube did. 15 years old, I read the Bible from front to back twice. When I joined the Navy at 17 years old, I did it again. I read the King James Bible from front to back. It went all around the world with me to several different countries. I never lost it, and I always believed in it, and I still believe in it to this day. And it has not changed. And no one will convince me it has. And because I won't join their group, I'm now a target. Minister Paul, target Paul. And so you wonder why you're going through spiritual warfare. Because I submit to you that Christ is driving a wedge in between those who are His and those who are not. And I want to be on on His side. And He has not told me to sound the alarm. That his word has changed. So who do I listen to? Do I want to be popular on YouTube? You know, I could jack my channel up to 50,000 subs right now if I want to just go with the flow of this Mandela effect being real. I'd rather it drop down to nothing and, and me go preach on the streets than disobey God. Because when you disobey God, according to Deuteronomy 28, 1-14, curses come upon you. Jesus Christ himself on a plane flying here home from North Carolina on a mission trip spoke to me and said, I want you to start a church in your office. And I'm going to anoint your messages and I'm going to bring the people in and I'm going to open that door. And he did, has he not? See, let's look at the fruit. Let's look at the fruit. There, the, the... The biggest divisive distraction there is on the entire internet right now when it comes to the kingdom of God is this Mandela said. There's nothing bigger. It divides. It starts arguments. It starts fights. It causes confusion. Jesus Christ said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. My word is forever settled in your hearts. Amen. So look at the fruit. We've been in here preaching almost a year now. Look at the fruit. People have received salvation in here. And they call us satanic ministers? And with a devil Bible and, and an idol around my neck? I mean, this message is the dangerous doctrine of YouTube. Now I'm going to preach it. I'm going to continue in my notes here. I was also told, according to the Gospel of YouTube... That all of my tattoos had been removed. I used to, I used to make a, my, I used to make little Bible studies. You know, I have a, I have a whole playlist of Bible studies. 
They ain't changed either, by the way. Those audio CDs ain't changed. This ain't changed. They said, I told them I repented over my tattoos. They were from the early, uh, the late 70s and early 80s. My mom and the entire church came. I cried. And, and because they said that, you know, I had to remove my tattoos to get to heaven. Who do you two? Come on now. I'm am I telling the truth? The church came with my mom. They laid oil on every tattoo I had in 1990. And I renounced getting them. And I repented forgetting them and I wept tears that fell into the carpet on how bad I knew I hurt God by marking my body. And I never got another one since 1980-something. Never got another one. But the gospel, according to YouTube, told me you can't just repent of those sins. You have to remove those. And that was a whole nother battle. Because the Bible don't say that. We're talking about, I'm telling you, real events on my life that I encountered on the gospel according to YouTube. You have to remove your tattoos. The blood of Christ, mercy and grace, that ain't enough on YouTube. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ had given me a message on stumbling blocks, scandalons. I'm going to tell you, stumbling blocks are all over YouTube like landmines. They're not leading you to the truth. It's almost impossible to find a channel preaching the truth. They're preaching lies and deception. And I'm warning you, grace and repentance was good enough. And I stand here for forgiving of these. And, and YouTube can't change that. I have learned so much from the gospel of YouTube. I'm going to tell you some things I've learned here. I learned all my life that I've been worshiping on the wrong day. Like all of us gathered here today on Sunday. Can we lighten it up a little bit? According to the gospel and doctrine of YouTube, we're all Satan worshipers worshiping the sun because we chose to gather on Sunday instead of Saturday. We're all just demon worshipers in here. That's what the gospel of YouTube, that's called legalism. Let's, so what, what we're going to do is I'm going to show you some things and then we're going to go into the Word of God and see if it lines up. Let's see if the doctrine and gospel of YouTube lines up with this Bible they call evil and rewritten by Satan. You want to go there with me? Jesus Christ, He healed on the Sabbath. He said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He said, the law is a curse. I fulfill the law. You're saved by grace. According to the doctrine on YouTube, us even being here right now is a sin. Is that a stumbling block? Well, it is for me. I even had a globe right here. I had a globe when we first started. It's right there right now. People were offended because according to the gospel of YouTube, the earth is flat. And I was rebuked and almost ran off the internet for preaching with a globe. Am I telling the truth? You are. But Is, you don't want to get me started. <laughs> I do want to get you started. You've got to run me off YouTube. So, so what I do, see, look, do you understand? 
The new me, the changed me, the, the, the one with Christ inside him that said, get rid of the world and come serve me, servant Paul. I didn't want to offend nobody. So here I am. I'm hiding my cross. I'm hiding the Bible. I'm hiding the globe. Can I speak now without offending anybody? There's a globe right there. Y'all just can't see it because it offended people. The world got created. Now I'm not taking a stance on if it's flat or not. I'm not here to preach on flat earth like some people do. I'm telling you the offense that I got because I had a globe here was ridiculous. And in order not to offend people because I just wanted to get together and fellowship and serve the Lord with like-minded brethren. That's all I wanted. That's all we want to do. So the globe's hidden now. And then I guess they're running out of options. So they told me I can no longer speak in tongues. Does anybody in the fellowship room right now speak in tongues? Anybody? I learned that's a bad thing. I learned, according to the doctrine and gospel of YouTube, and I'm being facetious now, is that, that those were satanic tongues. My bad. The Holy Spirit... <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave me tongues, and we're going to go to scriptures on this. The Holy Spirit gave me tongues at the age of 15, and I worshipped and magnified God and, and prophesied. No, not on YouTube. You better keep those tongues to yourself, they said. You devil worshiper. Am I Come on now, is people with me? I'm telling you the truth, the danger. And here's the thing. Do you know how many people are believing these lies. I, 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 I want to testify right now. I talked to a brother the other day. He said when he was, I'm telling you the truth, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he spoke with new tongues, like the Bible says. But when he learned it was satanic on YouTube, he has not spoken tongues since. What do you think about that, church? What do you think about? Who's leading them? If we cannot speak in tongues, according to the gospel of YouTube, who's really running the show? I speak in tongues every day to God. The devil didn't give me that gift. People are giving the devil too much credit. Amen. The devil's changing the world. He's changing the Bible. He's giving out languages. you got to stand strong. Come on, people. I'm trying to, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to rant here. I'm trying to help people who are believing these lies. So we talked about my tongues being... Ten oh, so there are new commandments on YouTube that you must learn. To, to be a servant or a minister or a pastor on YouTube, you got to learn their, their new commandments. If you, so so here, here, here's what YouTube says, and we are going to the Word. Yes, we are going to the Word, and we always will go to the Word. According to the Gospel and the doctrine of YouTube, if you disagree with someone, like if people disagree with this message I'm putting out right now, you don't go to them in private anymore. That's not how the ministry works in 2016. See, things have changed, they said. It's a, it's a new world. You make a video about them. You put Minister Paul in the title to get people's attention. You put them on blast from here to Timbuktu and back. 
But you never go to them in person. I have so many people making Minister Paul videos that I've never heard of and have never came to me. Let's look at the fruit. I'm talking to some of them right now. I just got a quickening in my spirit. I'm talking to You never came to me. You never came to that brother or that sister. You didn't bring a second witness like the Bible says to do. You created your own doctrine according to the gospel of YouTube and just made a video in public that you'll give an account for in front of a holy God from a man that gave up everything to preach the Word. You broke the commandments. You can't make new commandments. I have never heard of you. And I know I speak for many people. We have never heard of you people making videos about us. We don't even know you because you never tried to get to know us. You don't know my walk. You don't know who I am in Christ. But you want to tell me who I am in Christ and how to live in Christ. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked that. Because I get my information from the living Word of God. And if the devil tried to change it, I assure you God would change it right back. And kick the devil in the butt after he did it. Would he not? Yeah. Would he leave us here with an altered Bible before the rapture? Don't get me wrong. Crazy, crazy things are going to happen after the rapture. On YouTube, there isn't a rapture. That's a whole other thing. That, that kind of stuff is going to happen. But with the church still here, I want to submit to the whole world, you can trust God's Word. And you can trust yeah. God. And you can rebuke people. That's the only thing you should be trusting. Exactly. Well, see, that's how the enemy wants to get you. Yeah. So look, the devil wants you standing here with no sword. You catch that? Yeah. This is the armor of God. He wants to tell you, well, your armor of God has been rewritten by Satan, so you're holding, you're fighting Satan with the sword of Satan. Does that sound like something God would do? Is that the God who saved you? Said, trust me, follow me. The one you gave everything up for. Do you think he'd give you the word of Satan to walk around and share? Again, I say, look at the fruit of these messages. Look at the fruit. Line it up with God's word. So they make videos about you. And then on top of that, that ain't enough. Don't forget this. Let's put an ad on the video so we can make money. Let's hurt families. Let's hurt families and ministries that we've never even met and don't even know and never even talked to and never even went to. And while we're hurting them and their wife and my sister and my son that's watching all this stuff, let's put an ad on it to make money off of our hurt of them. Got real quiet. Let's stand before Jesus and say, yeah, that's right. I profited off of trying to bring a ministry down. That's your testimony you're going to overcome by? Think about it. Speaking of money, according to the gospel, according to YouTube, we're to never give. Don't give. <laughs> I'm being honest. Look, don't send me money. Matter of fact, when I saw other people taking advantage of offerings 
and starting up 100,000 GoFundMes and stuff like this. I was hurt, but I didn't make videos about them. You know what I did? As God is my witness, I removed my offering things from my messages because I didn't want to hurt God. See, look, we are representing Jesus Christ on YouTube. How are you representing Him today on YouTube? When I saw new babes were stumbling over people asking for $100,000, I took, go back and go look at my last three or four messages. I removed all ways to give offerings to this ministry. I don't stand in this pulpit and take up an offering, do I? We get very few offerings. And you understand this. According to the Gospel of YouTube, this is all free. But the fruit was that I was going all around the United States and people were being set free and hands were being used and we were doing the gospel. That money was being put to the kingdom of God and YouTube made that a bad thing. So I just removed it. I'm going to tell you something today. And this ain't about money. I put it back in there today. I put the offering thing back in there. People can give. People cannot give. I'm not going to shut that door. If God wants me to go out and go places, I'm not going to shut that door. I'm going to tell you something. I'm tired of the devil and his antics. Is anybody else here tired of the devil and his antics? Don't get me wrong. This ain't about money. Don't nobody send me no money. I'm fine. I'm talking about the truth. If you come on here and you ask for money, according to the doctrine of YouTube, you're a false prophet and a false teacher. Matter of fact, if you go to any church at all, that's a satanic mystery. You're supposed to leave churches. The, the gospel on YouTube says, leave churches. Churches are evil. Come out of them, it says. The gospel of YouTube says, to, to go it alone. Here, here's what the... Let me close in this part. We're not closed, but we're going to go to the scriptures. The gospel according to YouTube in a nutshell says the following. Y'all ready for this? If you've been on YouTube any amount of time, you know I'm going to say the truth. You go it alone. Don't gather with too many people. That's a cult. And don't make sure you don't gather on Sunday. That's devil worship. Uh, you know, don't, don't show your Bible because it's rewritten by Satan. Don't wear a cross because that's an idol. Always attack others in public, never privately. Only show, those, uh, only show love, the, the love, the agape love you've been shown and the forgiveness you've been shown. You only do that to those you sub to. <laughs> I mean, do not be unequally yoked with other YouTube channels, according to the Gospel of YouTube. <laughs> because, you know what, if you're not subscribed to their channel and loving and forgiving them, then you're a tear. Everybody hear that? They're tears. They just turn and burn. Go to hell. They want everybody to go to hell. I don't want no one to go to hell. Jesus doesn't want no one to go to hell. God doesn't want no one to go to hell. The only people that want to go, uh, people to go to hell are the demons and Satan. But they're saying you're a tear. You know what a tear means? Go to hell. That's what they're telling you. Go to hell. Go to hell with your cross. Go to hell with your Bible. Go to hell with your preaching. Go to hell with your evangelizing. Go to hell. Think about that. That's the message YouTube's putting forth. And suffice it to say, you can tell I'm tired of it. Here's the next one. The Gospel according to YouTube all over all these channels says the door is closed. 
Anybody get that message? The ark's closed. The door's closed. Anybody get that message? People still here. They bounce. The door's closed. The ark's closed. Grace is removed. Six seals open. So that what that means is everybody that is not saved as of today, that you don't have to witness to them anymore. You don't have to go. Tears all of them. Send them to hell. Right to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just get right to hell because we got a rapture bus to catch because we're closing the door. The door was closed in 2012, in 2013, in 2014, in 2016. Matter of fact, on the Gospel according to YouTube, the Gospel of Grace is just a revolving door. Every August it closes in, in 2012, in 2013. Now on August 19th it's going to close. It's just a revolving door of grace. Yeah, not in my Bible. Am I telling the truth? The door is not closed. The ark is not full. Here's another thing. Can't say Jesus anymore. People keeping up with this? According to the doctrine of YouTube, can't say Jesus anymore. Or you can't say the word Holy Spirit anymore. You have to learn Hebrew. <laughs> According, trust me, and I love all my brothers and sisters, but come on. I'm not a Jew. You got to get a Hebrew thing around you and, and speak Hebrew and read Hebrew and get a Hebrew Bible. But what about when I was saved at 15 and learning and growing? And what about when I was out there with my devil Bible being set full of demons? How come nobody, how come the Holy Spirit never convicted me? I had to speak Hebrew when I was 16. Was it until I got on YouTube, saints? That's the truth. Never heard that ever in my life. In and out of a whole bunch of really good, Holy Spirit-filled churches that told me not once in 37 years of serving Christ did a church ever tell me His name ain't Jesus. And that I have to learn Hebrew. The Gentiles were grafted in. And we cry out, Abba, Father, thank you for adopting us. And don't forget, remember all the feast days. You know what God says about feast days? I wish people would read their Bibles. According to the doctrine of the Gospel of YouTube, you have to visit Israel at least once a year. Amen. <laughs> Look around and see that I'm not telling the truth. And be baptized in the River Jordan seven times to go to heaven. There's no grace in that. None of this is true. Do not pray in tongues, YouTube says. Do not water baptize, because the thief on the cross wasn't water baptized. And, uh, oh yeah, let's not forget this one. The Apostle Paul... He was a false apostle. According to the doctrine of YouTube, the Apostle Paul was a false apostle. Have you heard this teaching on YouTube? So in other words, take two-thirds of this out, rip it out of your devil Bible. <laughs> Am I reaching anybody? According to the doctrine of YouTube, the Apostle Paul was a false convert, a false apostle, a demon, a terror. Get him to hell. Then, then how, growing up my entire life, was these words that he penned through the Holy Spirit able to minister to me, bring me to tears, 
year after year, hours after hours of listening to it on audio CD, saying hallelujah to the Lamb of God when I listen to the words. How could he be a false apostle? Preaching the truth here. So there goes half of the New Testament. Don't forget, according to the gospel of YouTube, we're still under the law. Y'all heard that one, right? There went about five people just left. Yeah, you got to keep all the law. You got to get an unblemished sheep and be in Israel and, and make sure it doesn't have any spots on it and then sacrifice it on an altar. The Bible don't say that. Jesus is the Lamb. Don't forget, if you're relying according to the gospel of YouTube and these false messengers and false teachers and false witnesses on YouTube, you can't trust this anyway. It's been rewritten by Satan. Cern and churning, Cern is, Cern is churning and, and erasing the words right off of your... Look, it's changed! I read yesterday that Revelation 22 was supposed to end at verse 20. But now they've added another verse, verse 21. Nonsense. I saw another, uh, while I was observing the, the Christians on YouTube, I saw another one that said, it, it says that CERN churned and the devil activated and changed the gospel to now it's no longer five, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, but it's seven fish. And I said, wait a minute. See, because if I'm missing something, man, i got to get this right. And they went to Matthew 15. And clearly, and they quoted Matthew 15, that the devil changed this. And if you read it in Matthew 15, it does say seven loaves. Here's the lying deception of Satan at his finest. That was the second occurrence of feeding Go back a chapter to Matthew 13 and learn that it was five fish, five, five loaves, and two fish. Uh, and he fed 5,000, not counting the women and children, and 12 baskets were picked up afterwards. It's not till the next chapter where it was seven loaves, and it's 4,000 he fed. No, the Word of God didn't change. You changed. Bear witness. Check it out for well, yourself. They're, yeah, they're not reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and see, thank you for bearing witness. Who would not want you to read the Bible? God or the devil? If faith comes by hearing the Word of God, how are we going to get our faith in these last days? If we can't hear the Word of God, People say, man, Paul, you sure have a lot of faith. Yeah, because I listened to it for years. The Word of God. Infallible Word of God. How are you going to get faith according to the Gospel of YouTube and this dangerous doctrine if you believe that this has been changed? Well, well, that, oh, that, my bad, I forgot. Because the dark's closed. We don't need faith anymore. We're closed up. We're on the ark. Here we go. My family, your tears, you know, good luck in hell with that. That is the mindset. That is the dangerous mindset. Jesus said, I want you to go to all the world. He said, the harvest is ripe right now in 2016 and the laborers are few because they're believing a lie. 
They're believing that the ark is closed and the word is changed. That's the lie. The lie isn't that we ain't believing it. The lie is that they are. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And if this is the last message I preach, let it be cut in stone that this is what I'll stand before Jesus and give an account for. The Word of God ain't changing. They are. They need prayer like never before because they are leading people to not trust the Word of God anymore. That's a very serious offense. You listening to me? That's a very serious offense to tell people you can't trust your Bible no more. How many people when you got saved here just needed more and more and more of the Word of God? So God changed that? God allowed Satan to change that? No. They, they misread a few scriptures and created a new doctrine. A doctrine of demons. And they're being tossed to and fro and you look at their lives and they're going down and down and they're sinking. Because they're believing a lie. That's why. So, so what is left after you graduate the school of ministry under the gospel according to YouTube? Let, let's, uh, let's discuss. We'll go to the Word of God. Well, no one can get to heaven unless you work your way there and you live a 100% perfect life. We don't need Jesus to die because we gotta, you know, we got to do it all ourselves. None, no one listening here in the fellowship room or myself or my wife, none of us can go to heaven. We're tares. Under the love and mercy of grace of Jesus Christ who died for me, who I confess daily from the time I get up to the time I go to bed every single day, listening to His Word, preaching His Word. According to them, we're tares going to hell. Hell forever. Who would want that? Who would wish that upon other people? There's no hope for our families according to the doctrine of YouTube, the door is closed. Someone just closed it again yesterday too. It's double closed now. Well, God didn't close it. People better listen to me. God didn't close the door to grace yet. You may have. Well, shame on you. Because that means you want everybody after that point where you closed the door, God didn't. You want them to go to hell, including your own family. Not me. I'll continue to get down on my face praying for these people. Lord, have mercy on them. If there be any virtue, if there be any mercy, if there be any grace, save them, Lord. Never once has he came back to me and said, no, because I closed the door. So who told him that? It wasn't God. Be careful. God didn't tell him that. There's no hope for none of us, according to YouTube and these false teachers. Because the door is closed. And don't watch for any blessed assurance. Do not watch for the rapture to escape tribulation. Because on the gospel of YouTube, there is no rapture. We're down here hopeless, with no Bibles and no crosses. With our long sleeve shirts to cover up our tattoos. And there's no grace and the ark is closed. And the devil would want you to believe you're just abandoned down here on earth. Well, that's why they're so sad and lonely, ain't it? Ain't it? There's no hope in their life. There's no joy in their life. There's no love in their life. Everything I'm telling you is, is true. It's being preached and taught on YouTube and people run to it. Not me. 
I'm fed up with it and I'm speaking against it. And there'll be videos made about me on this too. That's okay. I'm speaking against false doctrine and bad levity. So here we are. We're down here. We're desperately needing to learn Hebrew. And Lord help me. I'm in need. Here we are. The door's closed. We're stripped down naked. Mercy's gone. We can't speak in tongues. The last thing I got to do after I go through these seven years of tribulation is I got to get a camera. I got to get to Walmart, according to the Gospel of YouTube. I don't have any hope. I don't have any grace. I can't speak in tongues. I can't operate in the gifts. I can't read the Word of God. It's the Word of Satan. I got to go get me a camera, and then I got to hunt down these tears and make videos about them. If it's the last thing I do, I got to make videos about you, but I can't go to you. Or else, I'm not being obedient. You ever hear that? I'm doing this in love. I'm being obedient. In love to who? And obedient to what? It goes against the Word of God. I have no idea how this message is going to turn out, but we're going to close it up with the, some scriptures. On This is what YouTube says. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. YouTube says hate ministers and hate pastors. For those remaining, so here we are. We got our cameras. We're all ready to go hunt down the tares and let them know that it's a burn time for them to get on off. Off the hell you go. Run along. Do not tarry. Get in the fire forever. We're going to go to heaven. Us good people. Y'all tares get, get in hell. Time to burn. So everybody left after we made it through all that. We got rid of the, let's cover this, we got rid of the hypocrites, the Satanists, the Freemasons, the tongue talkers, the illegal fellowshippers, the false dreamers, the repenters, because repenting is now a bad thing on YouTube. Out of here, repenters, off to hell you go. Reptilians, the elders, any pastor or teacher or minister, because they're all Freemasons in disguise, don't you know? Uh, all churches that gather with an attendance of six people or more, off to hell you go. Anybody that doesn't teach and search the Bibles for air placed there by Satan, off you go so you can misquote it. Get into hell, you tear. Is there anyone left now? Anyone left? For those that are left, I've printed out a star chart you can buy for $9.99. I want everybody to get out your star chart. Line up your star chart with the sky and prepare for one of the three secret raptures that CERN will create in 2017. <laughs> Come on now, people. I put my heart into writing this. And it's funny that I'm in there. Word of. There's three raptures. CERN's going to do that. Not God. Yeah. <laughs> CERN knows the day or the hour. Right? Do you see the danger in getting your gospel? And why I'm so hesitant to remain here on YouTube. Everything I've said and so much more is leveled at the YouTube community every day. And it can creep on you and grow on you like a cancer. And I've seen brothers and sisters I love going down the drain believing this stuff. I'm not going to believe it. Uh, Don't even entertain it. Flee from it. Doesn't the Bible say to flee from it? Yes. Don't be unequally yoked and to flee from it and to mark them. 
The thing is, you don't see me making videos about others. Go back a couple years. You won't see it. I've learned through the Holy Spirit, can we say that? Yes. To bite my tongue, to guard my mouth. As I watch all of these people hurting all of us for us believing in the Word of God and believing in a rapture, believing in mercy and grace, teaching others that we are to repent, because the Bible says so. I've watched them hurt you and hurt me and my wife because we stand here for the truth. Now, if we're persecuted for that, well, then praise the Lord. There's a greater warning, and it's for the ones doing the persecution and the false teaching and the blasphemy. There really are people going to hell. Guard your eyes and guard your ears. Guard your eyes and guard your ears. So, so let's look at some scriptures. Remember how we started off? How did we serve God before the internet? Let's look at some scriptures. We'll run long today. Is it people with us? You know, I actually, about four days ago, considered canceling this service, didn't I, Ben? Because I didn't want to deliver this message. God requires a lot of His servants. Anybody here been called to do something you didn't want to do by God? I'm talking to the world. We got uh, anybody here? Anybody here? You ever been called to do something you didn't want to do and you went and did it anyway? Bible says there's a blessing in that, isn't there? Taking a stand today, and I'm going to do what God said to do. I'm going to obey God. And there it says there's a blessing in that. But if you disobey God, in Deuteronomy 28, same chapter, verses 16 through 68, I think it is, are curses that will come upon you. Let's, re let's read some more. Ephesians 4, we'll go through these. Now what I want to do is I want to take the Bible that people say has been changed and that I can't read and, and that you can't trust and that you got to search it out for errors. I can disprove every error they put forward. As a man of God who knows the Word of God. Me, not just me. Several pastors. And, and you'll hear them say, they'll cry out, Why aren't other pastors talking about the changes in the Bible? Because they ain't in there and they know better. And I get an amen. That's why. I'm saying this once and for all, and I'm not addressing this again. But it needed to be said. Amen. Does everybody agree? This needed to be said today. Enough is enough of the nonsense. We're talking about a holy God who wrote this. Inspired by His holy breath. May He blow on us today right now. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now it says, He gave some apostles, prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. YouTube says those people are puffed up with pride. Don't listen to what they have to say. God says, I gave them to you. Who are you going to believe? 
closing on these scriptures. He said, I gave them in verse 12, Ephesians 4 and 12, he said, I gave them for the perfecting of the saints. I gave them for the work of the ministry. I gave them for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ said that he wants us out here, all of us, preaching, teaching, sharing, evangelizing, prophesying for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We're all commanded to do that and take it all around the world. God said that. YouTube said attack them, mock them, make videos about them, curse them. Who are you going to believe? At the end of this service, who are you going to believe? Romans 10 and 14, it says, How then shall they call on Him whom they've not believed? How are you going to call on God? And how shall they believe on Him from whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God considers a preacher a good thing. YouTube says it's a bad thing. I'm telling you the truth. I've counted the cost. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith. Thank you, Jesus. That door's still open for salvation. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God by faith in His grace. Add nothing to that. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But YouTube says, you got to do this and that and this and that. Oh, forget it because the door's closed anyway. You see? Read your Bible. Whose report are you going to believe? Read your Bible. Keep saying that. We're going deeper. First Timothy five seventeen. Does everybody know the Bible says rebuke not an elder? Does everybody know that's in the Bible? The gospel according to YouTube says rebuke them three times and then kick them while they're down and hurting. Who are you gonna obey? Man, I know. I, I feel my Holy Spirit. I'm reaching. I'm breaking through something right now. We're breaking through, saints. We're breaking through with the truth of the sword of the Spirit into the spiritual realm. It says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Y'all don't want to hear that. The Bible says that, that elders that are out here preaching and teaching and street preaching and been on the streets and like our moderators who are standing for the Word of God, they're going on the Lord's hour and they're telling people the truth. The Bible says you need to count them with double honor. YouTube says they're tares. What God are you serving? Who's leading you? Whose instruction manual are you following? I'm not asking for any of your honor. It is enough for me that I've been crucified with Christ and I've become a fool for Christ. But I'm going to tell you what God says. Especially those who recount a double honor. Those who labor in the word and doctrine. Can you make sure that's in there for, for these doubters? 1 Timothy 5.17 Double honor those who labor in word and doctrine. Again, I'm not asking for your honor. It's enough for me to barely to barely crawl into heaven tugging on to His grace. 
what a day. That song said, what a day that'll be. While we're here, these words got to go out. First Thessalonians 5 and 12, remember it said there's no rapture and none of that. It says, we beseech you, brethren. Okay, this is, hold on. And we beseech you, brethren. Watch this. To know them which labor among you. It's not talking about the PG&E man and the policeman and the fireman. He's talking about the laborers in the field for the harvest, the, the preachers, the teachers, the evangelists. Everybody here does something for God. Everybody here has a purpose for God. The Word of God says to, to uh, it says to, uh, He beseeches you for these people who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. It says to know them. Hebrews 10 and 25, with all these people hate church. They call it satanic and meeting of hypocrites. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Don't forsake meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more faithfully gather together in fellowship as you see the day approaching. What day? The day they say doesn't exist on YouTube. Jesus Christ recorded to gather together and do exactly what we're doing right here. YouTube, when this uploads later as a video, will mock it and scoff it and spit on it. This thing had a thumb down before we even said a word. <laughs> it's got four now. So everybody that's listening thumbs it up. <laughs> four? It's got four already. But people don't like the truth. My address is in the description box. Come and show, come up and, uh, and man up and tell me what you don't like about the message. Point out the part where I'm in air. Talk to me. Don't make videos about me. Talk to me. But they won't, will they, saints? They won't talk to us. They'll go run and hide in some corner. Probably firing up Movie Maker right now. Who knows? You know what I mean? When they should be serving God. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Uh, those four will pray for them. Yeah. Apparently the, the, they, they love not the truth. Read the Word of God. That's nothing. I expect it'll do it. I mean, when, by, the, by tomorrow it'll be like 20. You know why? They don't like the message. You know what I say? Change the channel. 1 Corinthians, <laughs> really four. It had a thumbs down before we even hit record. No, they didn't even know what we were going to say. Go ahead. I, I, I asked him, because I don't get on YouTube, so, you know, I, I do this, Jesus. but I don't get on there because it, she don't. it is a mess. And I just, it's I a hot know, mess. I, I don't open my ears to it, but I'm like, we're starting. I'm like, how can it already have a thumbs down? We didn't even say nothing yet. The song didn't even play. <laughs> oh, there's that minister. Yeah. There it goes. Oh well. Feeling the double honor, yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. I mean, we can laugh about it. Yeah. Like I said, I've become a fool for Christ. I can see it now. Right, we'll get him. We'll get him. You tear, turn, and burn. Well, God don't want that for me. Why do you? Hmm? I don't want that for you. Why do you want it for me? Turn and burn. Come on. 
can you can you get a more loving message to tell someone lost other than turn and burn? Am I wrong? Do you think that works? Hey yo, you know who Jesus is? No. Well, turn or burn. I tried it in ninth grade on fire going around. You're all going to hell and I'm not. Not one soul reached. When God turned me, uh, taught me patience and peace and love and taught me how to love, man, they, they really started coming to the love message. Huh? God loves you. God loves you. He wants to save you. He died for you. Man, that situation you're in, He can bring you out of it because I know He brought me out of it. That's the message they need to hear. Oh, but well, we can't because dark's closed. It's full. I'm pretty sure God has a pretty big ark. <laughs> I hope so because I'm getting on that thing. Okay, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 1 to 5. I'm going to read this. Now, I want to talk about, I talked about speaking in tongues. I want to read what the Word of God says about speaking in tongues. Follow after charity or love. So let's follow after love. Love you. And desire spiritual gifts. One of these gifts is tongues. It's okay for you to really, really, really want gifts from God. One of them is tongues. But rather that you may prophesy. Apostle Paul is writing to the church. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, like I said, when I asked, did anybody speak in tongues, was there anybody in there? Mm -hmm. I know Brother Betty does. For Now listen to me, this is the word of God. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. So they'll say, well, it's a language. Okay, if I'm from India and I pray to God in my native Indian language, that's not spiritual gift of tongues. You already had that. If I'm in the United States and, and I'm, I'm speaking, uh, you know, speaking American to God, that's not a, a spiritual gift. You already had that. It says an unknown tongue. It says you speak to God. I do it every day. I ain't never going to stop because I've seen the power in it. Man, we come in here and we talk about pleading the blood of Jesus. Man, we're trying to get people strengthened in the Lord, not beat you down. For no man understand him. Now it says, how be it in the spirit. You know how the Bible says pray in the spirit? It means pray in tongues. He speaketh mysteries. Mysteries to man, but not to God. God hears every word. My mom taught me, it's a, when you speak in tongues to God, it's a direct line to God that Satan can't understand. It's an unhindered prayer directly to the throne. People give the devil too much power. He can't understand my prayer language. He certainly can't change this word right in front of me. You know, and I don't know if people understand the depth of this. There's people now that are actually taking a picture of their Bible every day and then checking the picture to see if it changes them. This other guy took it to a whole nother level. He set up a camcorder on a tripod like that on his Bible and records it 24 hours a day in hopes to catch, 
catch a change. Crazy, crazy. I submit to you, that channel's out there. I've been live streaming hundreds of people looking for a change. I submit to you, if you're looking for errors, you'll find it. If you look for the truth, you'll find it. What are you looking for? You're, instead of reading this to be edified and learn, you're looking to find fault in this. Am I wrong? If you search the Bible to find fault, Shameless. where does that come from anyway? Exactly. Just talking about speaking in tongues. People told me when I first came to YouTube, you can't do that. Four years and counting, I ain't stopped. See, did I listen to them or did I listen to this? Tell me I can't speak in tongues. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifying himself. But he that prophesied edified the church. In other words, and then in 5 he says, I would that y'all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speak with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. What this means is, it's a wonderful thing to edify yourself through using your free spiritual gift that you desire to speak to Jesus. But it's a greater thing to look past yourself and your weaknesses in the flesh to give a prophesy through the other gift of the interpretation of tongues for it to magnify everybody present in the church instead of just yourself. But both are applicable. Did you catch that? That's just God in action. It's not about us. It's good that you edify yourself. And you need to do that. But it's so much better that you edify others. It's as simple as that. So you can speak in your, your prayer language. Or you can speak in a prophetic language. I'm going to tell you as a warning and caution right now. I wouldn't be caught up in persecuting those who prophesy. Hmm. Would not. Luke 21 and 36, last scripture. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with me here. It says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape. YouTube hates that word that's in there. All these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. So there's a prayer we could say, Count me worthy to escape tribulation. Why would Jesus, in closing, there's so many people against the rapture. They want to go through tribulation. They want to where the mark of the beast is and all that stuff in Revelation. Why? When Jesus says you could pray to escape it, in closing, let me tell you this. Why would Jesus have you pray for something you can't have? Anybody can answer that for me. My name is Minister Paul. I came to you from my heart with the truth. My wife, Gail, we've been together 20 years. Our marriage was built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And uh, it is stronger than it will ever be. No weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. And I want to close out in prayer over everybody that came here to listen to me. I ask you, like she said, like it. I probably, you know, who knows what they'll do to this after it becomes a video. 
I ask you to be in prayer for me because one of the things I'm considering doing is doing this live. How many people are in there? A hundred? And I, I need, remember last week I said, you know, I knew our ministry was under attack, but I don't feel like I need to come in and tell you every week in how and why and all that. You know, it's just God will deal with it. But I asked people to, to pray and intercede for us. I asked for intercessors, remember? That was two weeks ago. It was for a reason. What I'm considering doing is just running this church, because clearly the audience is on YouTube. Just be careful on YouTube. Look at the people on YouTube, like Pastor Patrick Winfrey. Matched up to the Bible. Who's standing against the Mandela effect. And look at the fruit of his ministry. And then look at the fruit of the ministry of those who are telling you to believe it. And make your own decision. Because I feel when I come on YouTube just recently, it's like I just I crawled into slime. Is that too honest? And I'm wondering, is this where I'm supposed to be putting these messages? If a hundred people will show up, then I'll continue. With all of my heart. I'll share my whole life. I'll share what God has done for me. I'll share my wife. One thing I won't do is let people mock God. That's where I draw the line. You're not going to mock God. Do I close comments after this uploads? Email me, you know. Do I live stream it and we all have fellowship and then we don't make it a video? I can make it to where it doesn't become a video. After we have this service and we hit stop and we go about our lives of serving God with no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it wouldn't be a video. All i got to do is check a box. I'm in heavy prayer over this. I ask God, is God closing the door on my YouTube ministry? And I asked him for an answer. And I'm going to do what he says to do. I am not going to preach in a pit of slime and let God be mocked. Find another city and keep waiting. I'm going to obey God. Isn't that what we should do? Obey this and obey God. I give you my life, saints, and I honestly don't know the answer. I, I don't know the answer. I don't make hasty decisions. I don't know what to do. And I'm sad. There's even one that will hear the word. Well, I love you all. Let me pray out here. Let me pray for you guys. It's an honor. I consider it an honor to be here, to be able to pray with you. I'm doing what I love to do. I love preaching. I love my wife being in here. I love fellowshipping with other people. I love see people seeing healed and delivered. I love hearing testimonies. This is what I love to do. I could have stayed and did the worldly stuff, had all kinds of money and stuff, huh? And had a name and ran this town, you know, with, with the protection company. I was miserable because God had a calling on my life. And I wasn't going to feel at peace till I accepted that calling. And when I accepted that calling, came from Him, not YouTube. And began to walk in that calling. My life began to have purpose and meaning. And everybody that's listening to me right now, you're a part of that. That I feel, after this closes, that, man, I made a difference. I made a difference for Christ. In a good way, not a bad way. I came out here and stood for the truth and it was recorded in heaven. 
I love doing what I'm doing, and I'm thankful that you are all here. Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing time yes, Lord. that you made possible for us to spend together in fellowship. Thank you for your truth that's forever settled and unchangeable and unshakable. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The one thing that can't be shaken is your word. Thank you for the knowledge and discernment on spiritual things in your written word. We thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive and never returns void. I mean, where, where would we be, Lord, if your word went out and it returned void? Where would our lives be, be empty? We thank you, Lord, for preserving your word for us and, and being in our lives. And dear Jesus, I ask you right now, bless your people. Bless and strengthen and encourage your people. Equip them, Lord. Send them out in these last days. Gift them. Bless your people. Protect your people. We will continue to praise you, Jesus. And we will give you all honor all the days of our life. And we look for you in that sky, Lord. We bless you for your wonderful, amazing power. And we wait for you patiently. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Thank you all. Have a blessed day. Thank you for your fellowship. We love you. Amen. I feel a little lighter. <laughs> Hope I didn't offend anybody. It wasn't my intention. Speaking the truth and love that when we all grow up in Him. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, we long for you, Jesus. No
too, because we know they're up to stuff. I think there's some very interesting history behind the founder of the company that has come out with the Pokemon Go, the original founder of Pokemon. Um, he's connected to Google. He's connected to another company that came out of Google, something Wave, and of course I can't think of the name of it right now. If I think of it, I'll put it in the description, or if somebody wants to comment, that would be awesome. Um, and he has connections to the U.S. intelligence community and the CIA. So this is all very interesting. You got it. You got to ask. You got to ask that good question. Why? Okay. So this guy, John Hankey, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but I have no idea. He previously received funding from the CIA's venture venture capital group, InQtel, to develop what eventually became Google Earth. Hmm. So are they taking this fun little game and using it as some sort of deep, deep surveillance system? Maybe. InQtel was once described as an independent strategic investment firm that identifies innovative technology solutions to support the missions of the U.S. intelligence community. Okay. It's easy to see why the CIA would have an interest in the software behind Pokemon Go. The game utilizes the player's camera and gyroscope to display an image of the Pokemon as though it were in the real world, such as the player's apartment complex. Software like that could theoretically turn millions of smartphone users into a tool for the CIA. Quote, Imperial Probe Droids, that's you, to take real-time, ground-level footage of, their, of your city, neighborhood, home, whatever. You're reaching into places that they, they currently can't reach into with their spy satellites and Google cameras. Now they can, they, they're watching from a lot of places. We got the cameras, we got the smart everything, the smartphone, the smart TV, the smart fridge. Um, we got the satellites, we got the, uh, what else do we got? Well, we got the Facebook, Twitter, Easy Pass, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we know they're tracking our location. And those things can track our location, and Facebook can also help them gather intelligence information on us and clump us into groups. And who's going to be a problem? I know, they got me flagged. Who's a problem? Who is not? The, your religion, your views on stuff, your views on do you know who Monsanto is? Do you know anything about the guy? Who are you? Like, they have all, they're, they're creating this intelligence um, about you and putting you in categories, and they're also tracking your location because they want to know every single thing about you for the new world order that they are ushering in, okay? This is their agenda. Now, Facebook, depending on how often you use it, they can know your location maybe a couple times a day, maybe a couple times a week or a month, or if you're one of those people that posts every hour, maybe every hour if you have your location turned on. But this Pokemon GoGo can tra track you in real time. They can know, it's not like you're posting later, they're tracking you in real time, and they're getting into little crevices of your life that they couldn't necessarily get into before. So this is huge for the government. The government's already saving millions upon millions of dollars from social media on tracking us and clumping us into groups. Social media was, in, I'm sure that the government pushed social media out there because they're saving so much money. They used to actually have to budget money to find us and put us into groups. They don't have to do that anymore. Thank you, Twitter.
Oh, there we go. So the safety aspects of this, you know, there's already been some cases of people being arrested. They are, people are hacking. This is a hacker stream, by the way. This Pokemon app is, is a hacker stream. People are hacking into people's phones and getting all of their information. Um, the government's doing it. I mean, think about it. When you sign up for this thing, why do you think of your birthday? Why do they need that? Why do they need access to your whole phone and your friends list and your contacts and everything? Why do they need all that? It's, it's why? You know, you got to ask yourself that question. But hackers are getting into all of your information. Um, they, like I said, they already have, um, they already have a bunch of people who have been arrested for hacking into people's phones, knowing where they are at any point in the day, and robbing their houses. So people have been robbed because of this game already. And, and I got, I got to try to say this without laughing, but people are breaking. In, this has happened. There's been a few people now who have been arrested for breaking into somebody's house to find a Pokemon. Not to rob them, not to hurt them, to find a Pokemon. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you something. You trying to find Pikachu and Alakazam is not going to be a viable excuse in a court of law for why you you broke and entered into someone's house. It's just not, Mr. Officer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I broke through their window, but I had to find Pikachu. It's not going to fly, okay? So can, can we not do that? Can we not do that? Can we not be those people who have allowed ourselves to be so brainwashed that we are willing to commit a crime to find a virtual reality Pokemon? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Um, children also are following these Pokemon into strangers' backyards. Police have been called. The kids have been going onto people's porches, knocking on their doors, going into their ba- Guys, there are too many creepy, creepy, creepy crazy people out there in the world today for your kid to be wandering around in strangers' yards. It's not good. You shouldn't even be wandering around in strangers' yards, but your kid certainly shouldn't be wandering into stores trying to find a Pokemon. So please, please, please be vigilant about keeping your family safe. We can't avoid social media. Like, Like I said, I use it. I have to use it for what we're doing, and I think the Lord can use it for good. Um... And a lot of people use it for business and keeping up with people, and I think it's fine. But just we have to be we have to be on top of this, and be you know concerned with protecting our families. We have also become a very distracted society, and this is a great example. We we are a generation now of people who are easily manipulated, easily distracted, um, and you know it's it's like they've been trying for the last ten years. I think it's been longer than that, but I think it's just. Uh, in its velocity has increased in the last 10 years. They're trying to create a generation of people who will willingly, totally willingly give up all of their rights, go along with the Antichrist system, go along with the New World Order. These kids, they they just want to create a generation of mind-numb kids who are totally, that they can totally manipulate into doing whatever they want to do under the guise of, oh, this is better for you, this is safe for you, it's love, unity, we'll give you free stuff, whatever it is. It's like they have all these buzzwords, and these kids, they're under so much mind control that they are just willing to go along with anything. And, you know, they can distract us with games, and they can distract us with false flag events, and with violence and hatred and rioting and all these kind of trending things. They can distract us over here while they do what they're really doing. You ever notice that when all this stuff happens, there's a bunch of stuff happening like politics or, or in the government or something like that or around the world? They're not telling you about those things really, but this this is because this is what's trending, and we're all staring at the shiny object over here. Like, 
we have to redirect our focus to where it belongs because the deception is coming to this planet and you don't want to be deceived and you want you want to be sober minded and and you want to be focused in the right direction so that when deception comes you can see it right away and you can alert the people around you that you love and you you can protect yourself and the people that you care about so so keep yourself filled with the holy spirit and keep your mind sober um and and i understand you know the world is a crazy place right now it's a harsh place sometimes you just want to like decompress i get it because the next thing i'm going to talk about is the spiritual implications of this and again i know a lot of people are probably thinking you know be so don't be so serious you know sometimes you got to chill the world's crazy i get that i know it i know how rough it is i have moments where i just want to like break down and i just need a break too but i would encourage you to find activities that you can do to decompress that are going to build your spiritual man up and um you know, watch watch an inspirational movie. Read an encouraging book. Spend time with your family. Spend time with friends who build you up. Have a nice cup of tea. Lay in the hammock. Uh, go volunteer. Soup kitchen. Go, you know, um, Habitat for Humanity. Do something that's going to lift your spirit, that you don't have to be focused on all the bad things in the world all the time, but it's going to be edifying to your spirit. And maybe even help someone. Go volunteer. If you don't like people that much, Go volunteer at an animal shelter. Pet the puppies. You know what I mean? Um, we don't need to use the Pokemon Go game as our escape, and we don't need to be falling into the media's trap of the things they want us to be focused on, why they do all kinds of crazy things. You know, there's a lot of positive things that you can be doing. So, I, you know, I, I encourage you to do that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the spiritual implication of this, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I, as, as many of you know, at this point, I was very heavily involved in New Age mysticism and spirituality, and it had a really strong grip on my life for a long time. So I'm very aware of um, New Age symbolism, uh, and now that, you know, praise God, he's opened my eyes to the truth, and uh, I have been delivered, and am being delivered of these things in Jesus' name, uh, I, I am aware of the root of mysticism, New Age mysticism, and a lot of the Eastern religions, and they all actually come back to the same place. I've done a ton of research on it, and it was important for me to do that for myself, just coming out of it. And, um, you know, originally I was attracted to it, and I'll get into my whole testimony in another video, um, for these different, I, I was so longing for, to feel power, to feel um, the spiritual dimension, because I knew, I always knew the spiritual dimension was real, and I wanted to feel those things so badly. And unfortunately, I just moved in the wrong direction. I didn't know that I could have it in the kingdom of heaven, because, you know, the church I grew up in wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, and so I didn't know. I didn't know that the kingdom of God is an endless kingdom of glory and power and majesty, and it's all right there. And it's so much more exciting than anything you can get in any other any other area of life, and I'm experiencing that now getting a little bit darker so I'm trying to lean into the light and you're seeing me closer and closer sorry um but yeah I uh I know about opening these doors to the spiritual world into your life and how opening the doors un totally unintentionally because when I was in it I I thought I, I was in it for the love and the light and the healing I didn't have bad intentions in that realm but now that I've researched it all the way back to its core, I know that New Age mysticism is just old school occultism and Satanism wrapped in new shiny wrapping paper with a bow on top under the guise of love and light. 
and, um, and, and enlightenment and evolution and things like that. And so the spiritual, the spiritual realm is so real. It is so real. You can never convince me any different. I've been, I've been in it. I've been smacked in the face by it. I know it's real. And I'm being delivered of those things in Jesus' name, and I praise him for it. He's freeing my soul. I'm still fighting today for the doors that I open. And so I would encourage you, don't do what I did. Don't open those doors. If you have opened those doors, get those doors shut. Go to a spirit-filled church of people who understand these things. If you live in New Jersey, come to Abundant Life Community Church. Or if you live out east, go to uh, Eastern Gate in Cranford. The one out here is in uh, Port Murray, New Jersey. Get freedom prayer. Get deliverance. Um, get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to close these doors because what the enemy is looking for, even as a believer covered in the blood, the enemy is looking for a doorway. He wants a foothold in your life. You know, he doesn't have all the power he wants you to think he has. You have to give him an in. And he wants to come in and he wants to take a grip on your health, your marriage, your family, your finances, whatever, your mind, whatever he can get a grip on, your faith, and wreak havoc. That's what he wants to do. That is his goal. And you have to give that to him. And, and you know, things like this Pokemon, if you're not researching the origins of this stuff, sometimes we can just open the doors to this stuff and not realize what we're doing. And that's why it's so important to be aware and vigilant. So I will really quickly um, go over some of this stuff. But like I said, there is so much New Age mysticism symbology in Pokemon, so much occult symbology, um, a lot of psychic stuff, a lot of sorcery, a lot of violence, a lot of uh, concepts of, you know, shape-shifting, evolution, reincarnation. Um, actually, the, <clears throat> the word Pokemon means pocket demon or pocket monster. So they want you carrying around this pocket monster in your pocket. You know, they used to do it with the cards, but now we have it in our smartphones, in our pockets all the time. They want you carrying these demons around with you everywhere that you go, conjuring them up. A lot of this is about conjuring these spirits up and pulling them in and out of dimensions. And that's another thing is these, these things on the app, you know, they're like appearing in different rooms out of nowhere. The, there's powers that be in the world right now, you guys, that are admitting, large corporations are admitting that they're trying to bring interdimensional beings in and out of portals. CERN in Switzerland, they have the largest hydron collider in the world. They are, have admitted, the company CERN has admitted that they are trying to pull interdimensional beings through a portal. These are demons they are trying to pull in and out of portals. And we got these little dudes on Pokemon Go Go just popping in and out of rooms. No, I don't, mm -mm, no, <laughs> just say no to that. Um, so Pokemon is a copyright of Nintendo. This is just a little brief history. It was first created in Japan in 1995, where it was highly influenced by Japanese mysticism. Much of its character seemed to come from Shinto, which is a traditional religion of Japan, Buddhism, Hinduism, and other Eastern religions and New Age philosophies. Um, there's a lot of violence, like I said, a lot of sorcery <clears throat> and mysticism. Uh, I want to show you guys some pictures of some of these little characters from the Pokemon games. Um, I hope you can see this because it's getting so dark in the room. But this this guy, his name is uh, Alakazam. And I know a lot of you know that that's a, a magic term, like Alakazam. And there's also some characters, Abra and Kadabra. Um, so this little guy, he's got the, the triple unholy uh, S's on his stomach. He's got the star third eye. He's got the three fingers up. Salute to, that's a salute to Satan, just so you guys know. He's got a spoon here. 
That I don't know what that means. I guess he was hungry for some cereal. Um, he's got the little Baphomet face, okay? It's the, he got the, 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 the pentagram. Um, so that's him. Nice looking fella. And I'm just, I'm going to do, I'm actually going to do a whole video on the third eye. Um, and, and all the different, I'm going to break down all the different new age, um, practices and, and be exposing them. Um, and the Lord's going to protect me and he's commissioned me in that in Jesus name. Uh, I'm going to do that. So I'm not going to get into a ton of that. I'm just going to briefly touch on that. It's a mystical and esoteric concept referring to the speculative invisible eye, which provides perception beyond ordinary sight. In certain Dharmic spiritual traditions, such as Hinduism, the third eye refers to the anjta or brow or the chakra. In certain um, traditions, it is related to the pineal gland. The third eye refers to the gate that leads to inner realms and spaces of higher consciousness. Okay? It's all about being enlightened and opening yourself up to different dimensions, inner dimensions and outer dimensions. And like I said, I'll get into this much deeper in the future. It also has, it's also related deep back into Saturn worship or Venus worship, or Ishtar worship, the Queen of Heaven, Isis, and the Eye of Horus, the All-Seeing Eye, which is on the pyramid on the back of your dollar bill. If you haven't seen it, just if you've just always glanced over that, check that one out. Like I said, the creepy little three fingers he's doing is a satanic salute. There's a bunch of these guys, like I said, uh, they shapeshift, there's abracadabra, I, I don't even know. But here's some more pictures, just really quick, I just wanted to go over this why we still have a little bit of light i don't even know how to pronounce this little little dude's name but i will say this and i obviously need reading glasses oh okay so this this little thing are you just seeing the top of my head i'm so sorry it likes i have no light in my living room i live in it like this adult treehouse and i have no light um it's like playing it likes playing mischievous tricks such as screaming and wailing to startle people in the middle of the night i don't want that thing playing with my kid I don't have a kid, but I don't want this thing playing with my kid. I don't want to play with Ziggy, my poodle. I have here Lord of the Pit. Don't you be conjuring the Lord of the Pit. Okay, we got CERN doing that. Don't participate in that. We got the serpent. It likes serpents. The serpent is hungry, and it's time to eat up. This game likes serpents. I'm telling you, we got three more here. This guy, this guy, this little sneaky slithery dude we got ad ad nokana it says that he is um untrustworthy and sneaky i know i know i know he is i know you are satan you are sneaky not getting one over on us we got the pokemon go we got our little portal our little all c and i right there we got uh oh the dark nephilim that's never good we got the demon dragon. All kinds of friendly little creatures for the kiddos. Yeah, we we just we gotta we gotta stay vigilant, like I said. We gotta know what we're getting ourselves into. Um so that's pretty much it for now. I, I don't wanna overwhelm anybody. I know this is already a long video. So I'm gonna go grab oh dear, there goes all my light. I'm gonna go grab my uh Bible and um wrap this up. Just had to grab my word here. I'm turning to James. And I wanted to say that this video is not at all about judgment. I think it's so important for us in these days to be uh, encouraging one another, sharpening one another, lifting one another up, um, and just keeping each other accountable. 
and helping each other. That's what it's really all about. You know, we're here to be the salt and the light of the earth and to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth and, 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 and love people and hold them in higher regards than ourselves and breathe, breathe life onto people, speak life into people and, and tell them about the everlasting hope of Jesus Christ and what he did for them. And so I have people right now pouring into my life, and I just praise God for them. And if you know you know who you are, I just praise God for you, and I love you. Um, and, and then, you know, the truth hurts sometimes, and I've had a lot of discipline the last two years of my life from the Father, and I praise him for that, and from other people just pouring truth into me. And it doesn't always feel good at first, but I am so grateful for it because God is refining me in the fire, and he's taking me from glory to glory. And so that's what this is about when we discuss these topics. It's about us wanting each other to have a deeper intimacy with the Lord, to have more joy in him, more love in him, more peace in him, to kick the enemy's butt and get him out. Anxiety, go. Fear, go. Sickness, go. Leave in Jesus' name. And to help each other not open these doorways, you know, to be sober-minded and vigilant. And I just wanted to end with a little um, chunk of the word because that's in the middle of all this. That's what we really need to keep our hearts and our minds fixed on, to not go crazy, right? We need to be focused on the Lord and on, on his on His word because it's life. It is life, you guys. Um, I'm in James chapter 4, um, and I'm going to read a little section from the middle. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I had a real-life experience with this. This Sunday in my car, the enemy was attacking me, and I did this. I tried, I put this word into practice, and it was incredible. I am learning right now how to stand and walk in my identity. Now that I've, I've gone through a lot of deliverance from my past, I've been learning how to stand in my identity. And when that identity becomes real and you fully submit to God, and I, would, I out loud resisted the devil and I actually felt the, I felt the evil leave my car in real time. It's like stepping into your identity in Christ is like opening the gateway to an endless kingdom, an endless kingdom of power and glory. It's so cool. It's so much cooler than all this. You know, people are so attracted to all this this uh, cold stuff, it's the powers and all that. This is an end, this is an endless kingdom that goes on for eternity of power and glory. It's an endless river of life. Just. This is what you. This is the food and the water you want to partake in. It's incredible, you guys. Anyway, I'm sorry I went off on a tangent there. But submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God is a gentleman. He will never force you. He will pursue you relentlessly like a gentleman, but he will not force you to love him that is your choice. That has been the choice from the beginning. He never wanted a bunch of robot drones that just loved him because he forced them to. 
He gave us free will because he wanted us to choose to love him. So draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Stay sober-minded, fix your eyes on Jesus. And remember that you, are, you, believer, you, you are the salt and the light of the earth. So submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. God bless you guys and I pray protection over you and your families tonight in Jesus' name. God be the glory and praise. Uh, I would like to share to each and every one the dream that I had July the 26th. And before I proceed, I would like to apologize to all the viewers about, um, um, I've not, I, I watched one of my video, I think the latest one, uh, I noticed that I have a lot of chip on my uh, lips. I'm really very dehydrated, brothers and sisters. Um, it's very, very hot outside. And uh, I'm staying inside the car, even if I'm running, uh, I'm running the the aircon in the car. It seems like um, it's getting all the water in my body, and um, I apologize. I really don't like the way it looks, and um, and that's probably oh. so. Anyway, I would like to to share to all of you this dream. Uh, in this dream, I. It started with uh, somebody talking to me and telling me they didn't enjoy, they didn't enjoy the party that I had because um, they they don't like the food that I I served. That's the first part. And then second is I was um, I was in this I was in this room and um, I saw my best friend. She was actually putting on her sandals that she kept for a long time because she knew that one day she's going to wear it again. And so after that, I walk again and open this door like a room. And I saw another lady. She used to be my classmate in high school. And then she was like lying dead on the bed. And then suddenly her eyes just open up like creepy eyes, scary. That I just, you know, that I just like jump and run it's um it scares me that particular moment then i run and as i was running i can hear a lot of people there's like a commotion everywhere people were like screaming uh, you won't understand and then i reached this place that um uh you know i reached this place like it's my family's house and then I've heard my sister-in-law screaming. And then as I go in, I saw my, my mom, my dad, you know, and other members of the family. They were there. And uh, I saw my brother who died. He was standing and he was he was alive. He was young. Uh, he was slender in this dream. And uh, his hair was growing. He had a two, three major operation in the brain. So... Anyway, his hair was already growing, and uh, she was happy to see me. So he came close to me, hugged me. I hugged him, and he's like, uh, he's not saying a word, but in my mind, I can read what he's saying. He he likes to speak to me and talk about something. He was like, enjoy, too much joy, and he wants to speak to me about it. But, you know, in my mind, that particular moment, I'm trying to be away from him, I was walking away because I was trying to figure out what's going on. I'm trying to find out the sequence of events in the Bible. And so, right now, right at this very moment, brothers and sisters, it just reminded me what will be the sequence of events in the Bible. And um, 
just help me uh just help me uh research about that because I should and um it just came into my mind right now. So anyway that's how the dream ended. And so why am I seeing uh why uh, why I was why was I told that they don't like the food that I was serving? When you go to second Timothy, remember Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the word of God is our food, food of the spirit and food of our soul. And why is it that a lot of people don't enjoy maybe my channel? They don't enjoy, this is not my channel, this is for the Lord. They don't enjoy what I'm saying in this channel. They don't enjoy what I am talking because in Second Timothy, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They don't want to listen about the words of God. And um, the Lord has a reason why He wants me to have dream and explain and share my testimony to all of you. Leading me through the Bible verses that he wants to speak for that particular day. And then why am I seeing this friend wearing again the old shoes that she kept? Remember, brothers and sisters, uh, in the Bible, it speaks a lot about sandals. Sandals, you know, even John the Apostle said he, he is not even worth to untie the sandal of Jesus. And the apostles, whenever they go, they go to places when they're not accepted with the town, they have to brush off their sandals. It's like a symbol that they're not welcome in that place. And so, this dream is very symbolic about the sandals she's wearing. You know why? Because this friend of mine used to be, uh, she's a Catholic. I don't know if she's still a Catholic right now. And uh, she married a Muslim.